live here at the Capitol. We are live here at the Capitol at um, Little Rock, the legislative session. Both houses are in session right now. We've got the Senate on the south end and the House on the north end, and they're making laws or deleting laws, as the case may be in some cases. And um, so today we've got um, Grover Norquest coming up. And um, Zach, do we have him on the phone right now? We do. We do? Well, why don't you go ahead and put him on? Robert G. here. Hello, this is Paul Calvert. Is this Mr. Norquist? It is indeed, yes. Well, thanks for calling today. Um, this is Paul Calvert. Dave has actually stepped away from the microphone for a few minutes. And um, so okay. you're stuck with me. And um, oh. I think you're calling today to, to talk about some of the, the Green New Deal. Yes. Um, you know, this is the proposal uh, put forward by uh, Congresswoman Cortez of New York, which is a list of many trillions of dollars of higher taxes, massive new regulations, and they, they say it has something to do with global warming, global cooling, uh, global climate change. Uh, Junk science. One of their demands, well, yeah, one of their demands is that we close down all nuclear power in the country, which is somewhere between 10 and 20% of all electric energy in the country. So that way we can use more coal. Well, or have blackouts. <laughs> uh, and again, of course, if you believe that global warming is caused by carbon dioxide in the air, uh, one of the things about nuclear power is that it doesn't generate any carbon dioxide at all. And it really puts the lie to the idea that the left is interested in or believes in uh, carbon being a problem, or they would be demanding that we build more nuclear plants. But that's not their approach. So they're wanting to shut it down. Uh, they also say they want to uh, basically end airplanes uh, in the United States because they use gasoline, uh, you know, uh, aviator fuel to fly, right. and so everybody's going to use bullet trains. And you may have noticed, although Cortez seems not to have noticed, you may have noticed that in California they had a bullet train whose cost went from something like thirty billion, ten billion to thirty billion to seventy-seven or ninety-nine billion dollars, um, and it's not being anyway. They canceled it. Um, it's not working. It's not going to work. It's too expensive. They can't make it. They, they, they can't afford it. Um, and that's one train between two cities. They were going to link all 5,000 airports in America so you can get from one place to another uh, with bullet trains, which would cost trillions of dollars. So, it, I mean, it's just one bizarre, radical spending program after another. So and... Some people think it's so, silly, but the problem is they're serious. Right. So, so basically what the plan is, I guess, the, 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 the reality may be that well, the, so Democrats, the elitist Democrats, will be able to fly in airplanes and, and such, and the rest of us will have to ride horses? Well, yes. They seem to want to go back to some period in the uh, 1700s 
when for energy we had wind power, like windmills, like the little Dutch mm-hmm. ones, right? Um, and water mills. And, and, and water mills, that's, that's a big one. Although they tend not to like water mills. I'm not quite sure why, but I think it's their mean to salmon. And okay. uh, so they've just got efforts to dramatically raise the cost of your gasoline, both with taxes, carbon taxes. Watch for that. They're going to, a thousand different ways, the left is going to come and say, let's have a, a tax on carbon dioxide, which, by the way, when you breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. Um, when the world right. warmed after the ice age, everybody got healthier and better because uh, more carbon dioxide means more crops. Um, you know, it, it's, the it's same healthier is, for the world. So, well, the same is true with warming, too, because the, the warmer the earth gets, the more tillable and, and uh, cultiv- cultivatable land is available because right now we've got a pretty good portion of the earth that really just can't grow anything hardly. Well, and there's an argument that it's not carbon dioxide that causes warming. It's warming that gets you more trees, more plants, more wheat, more grain, and, be, and that gets you um, the, the more carbon dioxide. So it's, it goes back and forth as to, but the left is very clear. Uh, they want you to use less energy. They want you to pay for more energy. They want you clumped in the city so you can ride the subway and trains and not have to drive right. cars um, or right. you know, and, and move around. And, and their solution for making this happen is more socialism, bigger government, less freedom, and, and basically slavery. Well, yes. One of the things our friends on the left have never, they see lots of emergencies. They've never met an emergency that requires more freedom. Every emergency, <laughs> every crisis demands massive new government controls, large increases in spending, more government workers, less freedom for you and me. Um, unless it unless it happens would, to be some sort of per- perverse immoral immoral behavior, then maybe they want a little bit more freedom for that kind of stuff. But but for some reason, when it comes to actual liberty, I think you're right. A lot of times, they just don't want liberty. You know, and and it's odd that they just keep coming up with new rules. You know, they don't like big gulps. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, they, 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 they don't like oh, they didn't like smoking so okay, uh, now there's vaping which doesn't have any tobacco that goes into your lungs at all it's, um, it's like breathing in uh, flavored um, uh, water I mean it's, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's flavored water in the air it, it, it doesn't do anything bad to your insides uh, and 10 million Americans have wholly or largely quit smoking and they vape and now they want to tax that because when people don't uh, smoke cigarettes they don't pay the high taxes and the politicians don't really want you to stop smoking they want you to send the money um, so if you quit and use something that's less damaging like vaping or chewing tobacco um they still want to tax that because it was all about the money. It was not all about your health. Um, and it's a very interesting thing. Plus, remember, the left is now talking about uh, this new Green New Deal, 
because they don't want to talk about how well the economy is doing as a result of the Republican tax cuts. That wages went up three percent last year, which is faster than mm-hmm. in, in recent history. Uh, we have unemployment numbers uh, that we haven't seen in 50 years. Uh, the left likes to divide us into racial or ethnic groups, and every one of those, you know, African Americans, Hispanics, are all hitting historic lows in unemployment, historic highs in employment. Uh, so the economy is going extremely well, uh, and looks to continue to do so. That trade agreement with China, we're, get, we're making China uh, open up their markets more to American work. That seems to be going well. The president announced today uh, that, it, that it was moving forward. And uh, that is not something the left wants to talk about. So they will come up with anything and everything to discuss except that. Well, Grover, it's Dave Ellswick. I finally got here to the microphone. Good to hear from you again. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let me go back to this uh, Green New Deal. They never talk about the transition that it's going to take to go to this Green New Deal they talk about. Where's all that money going to come from? Uh, You and me. Uh, They've talked (laughs) about taxing energy. Uh, Sometimes it's a gas tax. Sometimes it's a... BTU tax, British Thermal Unit, that's what Gore wanted. Um, sometimes it's cap and trade where the taxation is hidden inside of selling the permits to emit carbon dioxide. Uh, answer is they want more money and lots of it. They want to make everything you do with energy cost more. Of course, when you buy something, a, a good chunk of what you pay for is the energy to bring it to you by boat, by plane, by train, by uh, truck. These are things that um, just increase the general cost of goods, even though you didn't, well, I didn't buy gasoline today. Well, you did when Amazon delivered those shirts to you. They came in a truck. Uh, They Mm -hmm. may have flown at some point. So it dramatically increases the cost for middle-income people to get ahead. the president has worked to move for less regulation, lower taxes, to get um, the economy growing, which is extremely helpful. We have higher percentage of people between 25 and 55 working uh, than we did before. A number of people quit working, millions of people quit working during the Obama years because they didn't think there was any chance of getting ahead. Um, they didn't, you know, they, they just stopped looking for work. Because they didn't think there was any were any jobs. Now they know there are. I mean, we're we're entering a position where there's going to be a shortage. Is already a shortage of, uh, mm-hmm. of, yeah, of it's, it's, people working. You know, it's gotten weird, uh, Grover. I mean, you and I remember that whenever the economy was growing and people could get a job and were getting raises and things of that nature. Nobody even talked about a president being replaced or not being able to to have another term or, or whatever. It was a foregone conclusion. Uh, it's changed now. It's as if there's a part of America that wants to, you know, commit cultural and economic suicide now. Well, look, Trump wasn't supposed to win. The Republicans were not supposed to win the House and Senate. Uh, they knew Republicans could win the presidency with Eisenhower and Nixon and even Reagan, but they were quite sure that they had 
uh, jimmied the House and the Senate to where the Republicans could never win the House of Representatives, thanks to their redistricting. Uh, but eventually they lost the House, they lost the Senate, and they lost the presidency uh, to Trump, even though Hillary was almost appointed to that job by the, by the establishment media. Mm-hmm. And now they're terrified that all of the rules and the laws that they wrote to advantage themselves, the massive subsidies they wrote to their favorite industry, to their favorite um, charities, which then kick money back to the Democratic Party, uh, they take this out on Trump. That's why they're so irrational about anything that Trump says. You know, Trump came out against the dictator in Venezuela, and all of a sudden, all the all the Democrats are out um, talking about how swell the dictator is. You're going, what? <laughs> just, they're just against anything Trump is for, even if it makes them, in, you know, in favor of dictators. One last question before I I, lo- I let you go today. Um, sure. I, I I personally think Trump gets reelected, and I think we take back to the house. We take the house back. What's your feeling about that? I mean, th- this stuff that that the left is is talking about uh, in the Democrat Party just doesn't play in America, especially when we go to the ballot box. Um, yes. This is, look, the left thought they were going to run against Trump saying, uh, for whatever reason you don't like Trump, vote for the other guy. Yeah. Uh, and when you do that, you can win a choice election against an incumbent because lots of people don't like the incumbent for any number of reasons. However, uh, when the left, like McGovern, uh, jumped out and said, I have lots of crazy thoughts that I will impose. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, it's not up or down on, do you like Richard Nixon? Because the economy wasn't doing all that well in 72. Um, it's, what about Richard Nixon versus all of these left-wing ideas McGovern is pushing? And That's whoever right. wins the Democratic nomination is going to run on the most left-wing program that anybody in the United States has ever run on in terms of um, how left-wing the economics is and everything else. Uh, as a result, I think that these are much more likely to lose the election and the economy, which is doing well now, I think will be doing substantially better. We have you know, two years ahead of more growth. Uh, when we get the agreement with China, then the uncertainty about will there be an improvement in our trading agreement with China will end. We will have gotten that better agreement, just as we did with uh, Canada and Mexico. Uh, this is, and, and the deregulation will continue to move forward. So I think we're, we're looking at something more like Reagan's re-election, which when the economy was strong and growing, he was re- rewarded with election wins in states you would not have expected the president to carry. He carried 49 states, everything except Minnesota, he carried Hawaii, you know, carried California, carried New York. Yeah, the only state he didn't carry was Minnesota. That's when he ran against uh, McGovern, correct? Not McGovern, uh, pardon yeah, me. Ran, yes, it was uh, Massachusetts was the, the state that only McGovern carried, right? Right. Uh, um, and yeah. our friend uh, Reagan won everything except Minnesota. Right? That's correct. Uh, it was running against Mondale. Yeah, because Mondale was, 
luckily able to carry his own state, and he almost lost it. Narrowly, you're right. You're quite right. Very narrowly he won that, yeah. It would have been interesting. Uh, we'll get you on here in the near future again, especially if this uh, uh, China deal goes through, which is starting to look more and more like it will. I'll make a prediction that it, when he gets that taken care of, the stock market jumps by a thousand points. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be Sounds incredible. Good. Grover, thanks so much Thank for you. being with us. We appreciate you. We're at our state capitol. We're trying to keep the eye on the the. Uh, the House and the Senate here, and we got a lot of things to talk about. We appreciate you being here. And this whole Green New Deal, it's it's not going to go anywhere. It's a resolution anyway. It means nothing. Well, it, it means something if the left gets into power. It's a reminder to everybody else that we cannot risk letting them get back into power. You are absolutely correct. Thank you, Grover Norquist, here with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back with more. We're on the third floor house side of the state capitol, the Dave Ellswick Show, on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's go back and talk uh, and kind of deconstruct a little bit what Grover was saying uh, with us during that that segment. And uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm right on with him. I, I followed Grover for many, many years. If I was going to go to CPAC this week on Wednesday, I'd get there early enough to do one of his Wednesday meetings when he has people from all over the United States coming together and talking about what the conservatives are doing uh, in other states and things of that nature. Uh, this whole Green New Deal... Everybody has to understand that it is a resolution, and it's not going to pass. It's going to be stopped. It, 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 there is a slight possibility it could get out of the Democrat House, but once it gets to over to the uh, the Senate, it's going to go down in right, in flames. But it's still a resolution. It's not a it's no. Not it's a not a law. Legislation. It's nothing a, like that. It would never get past the president. It would never get past the Senate. And everybody has to remember this. Here's here's what that that piece of of law does. It shows you what the Democrats or a large portion of them want to do. And it, and if you want to be as close of being a, a total communist without maybe being called a communist, that it, you want to be right behind that. I'm just saying. It's all about control of your life completely. Well, it's, it's they've, they've found a, a cause to rally around. Unfortunately, it's junk science, I think, but it's, but it's, it's, it's a cause they can rally around. It's a, it's a the sky is falling type thing. We've got to save the world from total disaster. But here's and the thing, Paul, that, is, nobody, is a solution. that nobody's paying attention to it and nobody's talking about it. We've got to save the earth. Here's the way we save the earth. You have no freedom. <laughs> that is what it is, in essence. Right. Hand over your liberty because we that's have to save, correct. Because, all of it because we have to save the world. Uh, hand over all of your liberty except your, your right to kill your children. Of course, that's okay. Yeah, the right, the right to uh, kill unborn children. That's that's a that's a piece of liberty you can keep, which is just hogwash. It's not in fact, to begin in fact, with. we'll let you kill your kids that you've on, you've given birth born. to. Right, and so th- so they're 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 wanting to they'll figure out a way to take your liberty away to do good things. But they may give you some more liberty to kill your children. You know, I look at, you know, what the Scripture says about the future, and one of the main things that it talks about is people who will call good bad and call bad good. And we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, when people stand up and cheer 
when you sign a law that will allow you, in effect, to kill a, uh, a human being without anything going on, you it's know, not, against it's, that. It's not attacking you. It's just the child is just there. Yeah, you can, you can kill it. You can be done with it. Look, we're going to have, if we keep doing this in this country, and we've got news coming up, we will have to apologize to the Nazis for what we said about what they did to the Jews. I'm just telling you, it's coming. Here's the news. You can learn the little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. Uh, It's from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial, who's the host of the David Lucas Show that you hear on 101.1 The Answer on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. David's a published author, and he's uh, right here in Little Rock. This free analysis is going to reveal to you the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. To get your free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. It's your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. All right, so we sat and we listened to to what... uh, uh, Grover had to say, and there's some things to take out of what he talked to us about, about the Green New Deal. Some of the things that you need to be aware of is that this is going to take as much money from you as anything that has ever happened in this country. I mean, literally. Here, See, everybody talks about, well, we're going to go from this to this. We're going to go from carbon-based energy to no carbon-based energy. Here's what nobody talks about and what I asked Grover about. Where's the money come from when we're making the transition from, uh, you know, carbon-based energy to no carbon-based energy? Those, what's going to happen to the, the people who lose? Of course. What's going to happen to where when all of the people who are working uh, and doing natural gas work and all the rest and and uh, we're leading the world in that now when they're out of jobs where do those people go everybody says well they'll go and they'll build uh, you know the solar panels and learn how to install those and stuff folks that takes even if that were possible it takes time it also takes it also takes energy and a lot and, of money and where are you going to find all this energy to build solar panels and, and what about the energy to build um, these wind farms and the are you going to now make these these vehicles they drive around run off of electricity, which is manufactured by the, by the wind farms? I mean, where is this going to come from? Well, and that's a point that I'm trying to make. Where is the transition, and how are we going to absorb the cost of making that change? The cost of people losing their jobs. The you know how how are you going to afford all the food stamps that you're going to have to dole out? That, and, and what Obama did during his presidency with food stamps is going to be look like Rebecca at Sunnybrook Farm compared to this. There's going to be ten times as many people on, on food stamps to make this. And you asked, you know, 
ROC about this or you ask any ROC. left about this, and they don't have a freaking answer to right. it. And what's, Not what's, one. What's liable to happen is we see this war on drugs right now where people are selling black market drugs. There's liable to be black market gasoline and black market diesel and gangs running around selling selling black market fuel if you make it almost illegal or tax it into oblivion to the point where people are, are, are going to have their black market for oil. I'll be interested. Here's what she says. We're going to go to all electric cars. There'll be recharging stations everywhere. Who's paying for them? Is the government supposed to pay for the gazillion charging stations that we're going to have? Is the government going to pay for the one that you're going to have to have in your garage to plug your car up at night so that it's fully charged when you start driving around? How are you going to do any travel across the United States? Most of these cars, most of the cars, most of the electric cars that are are, are available, about three to four hundred miles. Then you've got to recharge it, and that's a five to seven hour process. Yeah, so, so basically... Are we are we back to horses and buggies now? Because they're oh, they love that. Because they're um, no, they might actually be opposed to that because horses um, they put off um, yeah they fart they, they gas they put off gas and so the the um, so so what are we left with bicycles? These people have no answers or the maybe answer- or maybe the solution is euthanasia. Everything that is supposedly going to be what saves us has its con side as well and will cause untold problems. You know, the old saying, the road to hell is, is paved with good intentions. That's exactly what you're looking at right now here in uh, in our country what? with these people who want to talk about we can do what we're doing uh, with brand new energy that we've seen not being able to hold up and be ready when the temperature drive goes up to 100 and 100 degrees or 90 degrees up to 110 during the summer in in the uh, the south uh, it would be probably would save the north because people might move back to the north because they want to they won't need air conditioning up there yeah. or you can dig holes in the ground and stay cool that way i guess but yeah people just don't uh, you got to give some thought to this and i wish the people on the left would give thought to it cuz they don't give thought to it that's what's really dangerous about all of it. They don't give thought to it. Well, I think part of the problem is you've got people that that really hadn't ought to be in positions of teaching, but they're in the universities and colleges and public schools, and, and they're, they're not intelligent enough, they're not educated enough to be actually educating other people, but yet they are. And mm. so we, we've got garbage um, which passes for education. Well, I was going to tell you, um, mention something. We got a uh, an answer from a listener. They sent us a uh, a piece of uh, uh, written response because they hear us talking mm-hmm. about when they're building roads. We don't need pretty roads. We don't need uh, sound barriers that have artsy looking uh, panels to them. That uh, a utilitarian look would be fine and this person was trying to explain now look i've lost a lot of money because of where i lived and they put uh you know an interstate through my area and uh, so that i don't have to listen to the traffic they're going to put up a uh, you know a sound barrier and 
you know, I hear you always talking about how just a sound barrier, all they need is the, the, the pieces right. to go up. And they say, I just want my property rights, uh, my, my, uh, how much my property's worth Market to stay value. up. And, I, you know, I, I haven't gotten a chance to write back to the person because it's going to take me a, a good eight or nine paragraphs <laughs> to, to answer the person. I, I mean, I guess I could just say very simply, what side of the barrier are you on? You're not on the side that has the trees and the flowers on the barrier. That's usually on the other side of the barrier where people driving by in their cars see things that look really pretty. Mm. And we don't need that. Uh, Of course, you wouldn't like to hear my whole argument of why uh, when land is bought through eminent domain uh, in the way that eminent domain was supposed to be taken care of uh, by the Constitution, which that's a constitutional right for the the state to take at that point uh, that they don't have to build a sound barrier for you they have to pay you fair market value that's all they have to do and and there's some judgment call there but at the end of the day market value is not about property rights market value is actually about the 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 prejudices of those around you who might be interested in buying your property The, the fact is that market value is a reality but it's not necessarily a a true reflection of the actual value of your property because to some people the market market value may be high or maybe low but to other people they may not care about the actual market value their value is is what they can do with their property regardless of what other people want it for. well what do they want do they want to have a sound barrier up to keep the sound away from them or do they want they'll only accept a, a sound barrier that has arti- that has artistic value for instance is it enough that they've imprinted at thousands of dollars to your fellow taxpayers to be paid for that has trees and it has flowers or whatever and has the state of Arkansas on it? Or should we go a little further? Should we take some extra steps and we'll paint, um, you know, some Van Goghs on the side and we'll do fake starry nights or something or, or like that? Or maybe go ahead and put some gold rims on it or, or something. Or would it would even be better, gold. Paul? Let's put up uh, some kinds of sc- some screens on that that uh, are using LEDs so they can... They can uh, put, put uh, advertisements or, or put on some kind or, of uh, pretty pretty pictures. Sure, sure, might as well. I mean, hey, it's, it's free money. The government's paying for I'm it. Just, and, I'm just saying, what is enough? That that's the question. What, what is enough? I'm just if, if you not when you buy a home, if you don't look around your home, I've I've heard this from other people. Oh, I bought a house and they didn't tell me they're going to build uh, a subdivision. Uh, down from my uh, my home, and now I don't get to look on the forest. I only yeah, I, I get I, to look on other people's I, rooftops. That's going to take away the price of my home. Yeah, I moved here Tough. because, I, because I, maybe maybe I moved here because I wanted to be in the middle of a field. Well, buy the whole field. Yeah, well, buy the woods if you, if you want to you, take it want, all. Yeah, if that's you exactly want right. to live in the middle of the woods, if you want to control the development, right, buy it all. That's in all. The, that's the, the only way you can do that. In the meantime, if you don't. Like neighbors, move somewhere else. Yeah, because just, the fact is, that's not your property. Well, you can't go and tell them that they can't build on their own property. I went. I went through this a few years back. You'll remember, Walmart said that they were going to build a um, a store, a very large super center, mm-hmm. down on uh, Highway Ten and. Uh, 
Well, it was a Chennault, I guess it was. No, no. Yeah, Chennault. It wasn't on Cancel, Chennault. And the people that lived up the hill got all ticked off about it. Because they're going to cut the... Because it was going to take out a lot of the trees and stuff uh-huh. that was down um, their beyond their, their, their homes. And I just made the point. I said, well, you're screaming that it's hurting your view. And I'm just wondering, what did you think when you bought the home that you bought that they built where you're at that took the view of the people that are up up on right. top of you? Right. I mean, you didn't think nothing because you wanted that right. home. Right. And maybe maybe the neighbors around you don't like the fact that you have ugly kids running around. At the end of the day, you don't have a right to tell other people how to use their property so long as they're not violating your rights in some way. And, the, and what other people's property looks like is none of your business so long as it isn't violating you. Well, get over it. Their whole thing was that it was taking away, they Some were cutting trees. View. Yeah, and, and, and it was. It, I'm going to tell you what, that big hill you go down uh, as you're going to Highway 10, it's gorgeous out there. Sure. But I could have told you from the day that they built that four-lane highway going down that hill, it was just a matter of time until they developed it. Isn't it. Right, and at the end of the day... What do you want? If you don't want people to build somewhere, buy it. Yeah. It, it, and if you can't afford it, get your friends together and all of you go together and that's buy a, it. That's exactly That's what, a reasonable thing to do. Don't don't get the government together to, to go and point guns at people and tell them they can't well, use I was their own talking. Property. I was talking to people about it. Well, I can understand. And I said, well, yeah, I understand that it's a stupid argument. <laughs> all right. I understand that I it's, it's, it's beyond greed, that it's... The whole thing about if my view isn't taken care of, you know, nobody can have any kind of a view kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's well, stupid. It, it really is. It, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of this, this selfish, egotistical of course I, it's I, selfish. idea of, well, because I want it, therefore we should be able to take away these people's property rights. Well, we'll take away, yeah. Well, the okay. people who own that property, they can't sell that. Right. You've got to keep it just that way because that's a pretty view. Yeah. I just yeah. want people to think about some of this stuff. You people just let their emotions take off. That's when a right person on the right can start acting like a, you know, a really dumb butt lefty. Is well, when they don't want to pay attention to the uh, the facts of the case. Let's get a break in. We got to do that. It's twelve minutes away from three o'clock. Three o'clock. Ken Yang's coming by. We're going to talk about tomorrow's homeschooling day here at the Capitol. We'll talk about that. Talk about homeschooling as well. I also want to talk about. There's some people, and we're sure we're trying to get them on the air with us. Uh, Senator Pilch. Uh, Republican and Representative Vaught, uh, a Republican, have filed identical bills in the House and the Senate, an, an act to amend Arkansas's law concerning the procedures for petitions and referred constitutional amendments to declare an emergency and for other purposes. And let me just tell you, if these two pieces of legislation go through and the governor signs them, getting a constitutional amendment by the people onto the ballot here in this state may be the things of dodo birds. I'm just telling you, you would not believe the stuff they're trying to do with this. Now, I understand that there's some problems uh, dealing with, uh, you know, petitions uh, that are are being uh, referred to the people and that some things need to be tightened up so that you don't have to worry about things like 
minimum wage and things of that nature. I mean, that should never have been able to get on a ballot, but it did. Well, we need to make sure that the people of the state understand exactly what's going on. And I'm thinking they're going to have to raise the amount of signatures or something because uh, you can't make it so easy that it it's like one, two, three. I mean, you know, um, Attorney Couch is a perfect example of somebody who evidently is able to tap into some money mm-hmm. and get this taken care of constantly, no matter how stupid the bill might be. Well, that's, that's one of the things is the way it's set up right now. If you've got the money, you can buy it. Almost. That's about it. Absolutely. I mean, just take a look at, uh, you know, what's going on about the casinos. That's another perfect example of this. A break and then more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're at the uh, Capitol. we got another segment coming your way. We're on the third floor, house side. Uh, stick with us. we got more to talk about. All right, we are back with you. Uh, the governor, by the way, signed the uh, abortion trigger uh, bill that uh, Raper got through the Senate and then through the House. So it is now law. Uh, here in, in the state of Arkansas. All right, so let me run through uh, what what is out here right now that you need to know about because they're trying to move this through the House and the Senate so quickly that nobody can mobilize and try to stop it. And uh, let me just pull this up real quick for me. I got some, I got a big old pile of stuff here. <laughs> okay, so this is House Bill. 1489 and Senate Bill 346. They're kind of sister bills. Well, they're identical bills. They're uh, they're acts to amend the Arkansas law concerning the procedures for petitions and referred constitutional amendments. Uh, it would change when and how ballot titles are approved for all initiated amendments, initiated acts, and, and uh, referendum. And uh, I'm going to be one of the first people to say there's some changes that we got to make on that. We've, we've made it now that people can buy putting the names of their companies in a constitutional amendment. All right? I understand that. That's that, kind that, of bizarre. That's with the casinos, all right? Mm-hmm. But there's some other stuff out there that is, is coming. What the change does, it approves the ballot title, and when the ballot title is approved, and what, what I'm saying is right now it, you go out and you get the necessary signatures, after the ballot title has been approved for you to go out right. what you're going to get signatures for. Now what they're saying is they want to make sure that you go out and have the signatures before you put up the ballot title. And the Board of Elections, which has never been the, the be-all, end-all, you know, here's what you can and can't do, will make the decision if your ballot title is uh, correct and acceptable, which means you could go out and literally spend tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars going out to get the necessary signatures, have all the signatures, and and they'd be going through and checking them, and then all of a sudden the Board of Elections say, "Ah, I'm sorry, that what the title of your uh, measure doesn't doesn't make it right, and not, suddenly you're out all that money and, and it might not be money it might be like there was a petition drive years ago where they they um, tried to define marriage and they they passed it but i think most of those signatures were collected by volunteers and it wasn't just a big corporate buy-in if you will 
And so the the it could be hundreds of thousands of man hours, perhaps, that, yeah. of volunteers that that have gone into something like this. And well, they've almost made it impossible to do this in a grassroots way. Well, and, and that's and that's that's maybe what's maybe that's the goal. I don't know. But the, at the end of the day, though, when you make it harder, a lot of times I think it just makes it. Um, gives an advantage to the corporate entities and makes it harder for the grassroots. All right. So now let's say you disagree. You're the sponsor. You disagree what the Board of Elections says. Well, then you've got to take it in, uh, file a lawsuit and take that to the Arkansas Supreme Court for final uh, resolution. In addition, it raises the penalty for petition fraud from a misdemeanor to a Class D felony. I mean, I understand maybe putting some uh, uh, some kind of uh, of some some kind of teeth into it. Well, but do you want to you want a misdemeanor? A class? Well, a class? Or I mean, a, a pardon felony? me, a felony? A Class A misdemeanor has some teeth, and potentially. I mean, you can go to jail for six months on a Class A misdemeanor, I think, and, and the, you can get a, a fine with that. But the the um, I think a Class D felony is probably a bit strict. And they're saying also that they will require petition signers to follow more strict requirements when signing a petition. Here's the key. If the state Senate and the state House were the only two places where you can make a change to the Constitution, the politicians would be happy. That they didn't have to hear from the peons and the unwashed masses, they would be happy with that. This needs to be stopped because the way they're working this right now, it's already gone through the Senate. Yeah, it's on the House end. All it's got to do is go through the House now, and it it gets to the the governor's uh, table for him to sign on or off of it being a law. Bottom line, got to stop this one. It ain't going to stop unless you start calling your House uh, representatives person and then call your senator again and say, this passes, I'm targeting you not to be (laughs) reelected. So Dave Ellswick Show, we're back with more. We're on the third floor, House side. Ken Yang coming up next right here, Dave Ellswick Show. They have special days here at the Capitol. I know they're going to have a, a day, de- uh, you know, saluting pastors, I believe, Thursday Yes. Uh, here as well. Let me turn your mic up there. <clears throat> now I should be able to hear you, Ken. But tomorrow, uh, the Capitol is going to have a bunch of people here, uh, people who homeschool their kids. Yes. You know, are, tell us what's going to happen. We have homeschool day at the Capitol uh, happening tomorrow. We have it happening every two years. So during the general session, we have it. Uh, a lot of times we get either, a lot of times we get snowed out. Uh, last year was the, not last year, 2017 was the first time we had homeschool day at Capitol in, I think, almost almost five years. Wow. Uh, because we always there was always weather issues. But weather looks good. Homeschool day at yeah, the Capitol. Yeah, looks blue skies yep. tomorrow. Tomorrow we got about a 1,000 homeschoolers that will be at the Capitol tomorrow. I mean, there are over 20,000 people uh, 20,000 homeschoolers here in the state of Arkansas. Okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that if you took all the homeschoolers and put it together, it would be the biggest school district here in the state. It would be the second biggest. Second school. biggest. Yep. Who would be biggest? Uh, but still, was it Springdale or whatever? That, okay, up in northwest. Northwest Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so 
For people to think that it's something weird and different, it's not? No. I mean, you know, I was actually just talking to a homeschooler earlier today, and, you know, he was saying, yeah, back about 15, 20 years ago when he was homeschooling, it was definitely something weird. Everyone thought homeschoolers were weirdos and and all that other stuff, and uh, you only had a few... Uh, state reps and state uh, senators at the time. I think that would protect homeschoolers. I think Mark Martin was one of the yes, champions of, of homeschooling back in the day. Um, but they'll all be here. They'll be here uh, to meet with legislators, go to committee meetings. Uh, this is a lot of people's just first time at the state capitol, so it's just a treat for them to come, honestly. So what are they, when they get here, what are some of the things this year that they're really pressing for? Um... I th- um, here, uh, there's some issues on like concurrent credits when it comes to switching from homeschooling to public schools or public schools to homeschooling. Okay, so um, if you're coming from homeschooling, you want the schools to give you as many hours as you're supposed to yes. and not tell you, well, you got to repeat fifth grade Correct. over again. Okay. Correct. Uh, even you have, even you, though you may be Work with the Department of Ed. Uh, work with whatever department we need to to, to make the changes. Um, and anytime homeschoolers have issues, they, they bring it up to us. But we're, we're at a point well-received within the state. There are some superintendents that may not uh, like it. But, you know, people are homeschooling. Uh, they don't have to test, you know, do the standardized tests anymore because the state didn't do anything with that data. It was like, oh, we should test them. Well, the state didn't do anything with that data. Why would we test them? If you know they why they didn't do anything? Because they couldn't prove that it wasn't working. Well, because the <laughs> homeschoolers for over 20 well, years yeah, beaten the beat public, public school students in standardized testing. Yes. <laughs> well, so, and so, and, well, the thing is, if you decided to start doing something about homeschool kids, what would you do about the public school kids yeah. who were failing? That's right. So, so you take a kid who's failing as a homeschooler in, in academics. We're going to do put them in public school where they can yeah. fail just as well, or maybe worse. Which you know, which is a great example of how school choice works. These people have chose to be homeschoolers, and they're successful in their in their own way. And so, we want to celebrate them. We want the legislators to know that these people are real people. These people actually are keeping an eye out on them and what they do here at the Capitol. And that's why it's one of the biggest events. I mean, you have plenty of big events here at the Capitol during a session, but I don't think you have anywhere where there's going to be a thousand people here at the Capitol. It'll be a thousand homeschoolers. And they're, they're bringing desserts for the legislators. It's a tradition. Are uh, they bringing it for my show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, no, I'm just kidding. Well, when you run for office... They'll they'll be they'll be bringing you desserts. Bringing me desserts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm uh, still trying to lose weight. <laughs> they bring desserts, homemade desserts, to the legislators. Uh, like I said, there'll be time for them to go to the committee meetings, go to up to the gallery. They, we scheduled uh, capital tours for them, and uh, then there'll be a big group picture out uh, outside around the noontime. So it's just a good time for them to see how government works up close and also a good time for legislators to see that there's a bunch of homeschoolers don't don't make them mad is it a good time for just the uh you know citizenry to come out yes and, and, and see what's going on yeah yeah oh yeah people um i've had a couple of friends that say hey can we just you know stop on by and i said yeah just stop on by you don't have you know all the homeschool people have registered if you just want to stop on by and see people you don't you don't need to register to see what's going on so Um, just so they know it's not a bunch of people walking around 
in uh, sandals with long hair <laughs> or with buns on their heads. Yeah, miss, missing school, not being taught properly, not knowing how to interact with the yeah. public, you know, all that, all that, all that stuff. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you know what'll drive you crazy? Everybody will call you yes sir and yes ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I drive a lot of people crazy for yeah. that. But I, I mean, I tell people all the time. What's funny is, you know, I grew up private school student, then public school student. I even had a poor, uh, you know, poor view view of of homeschoolers. And then I worked for Mark Martin, and I was quickly cured of that uh, poor view of homeschooling. And uh, it's it's a great avenue. It's a, and more more and more it grows every year. I think when I first started working for Family Council back five years ago, we were at about seventeen thousand homeschoolers. We're now closing in on twenty one thousand homeschoolers. That's how quickly the growth of homeschooling is in Arkansas, which might be time to for some districts to have a little self reflection. I would agree with that. All right, so we'll come back. We'll talk more about it. we got about uh, 14 minutes after 3 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Third floor, house side of the state capitol. We'll talk more about homeschooling when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. No, it's not. All right, so let's talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. Ken Yang is here from the Family Council. They're kind of behind all of this. So let's, uh, let's talk with uh, Ken about that. What time does it get underway if somebody wants to come here? What's a good time to get here? Is there going to be food and all that kind of stuff? Uh, There'll be some light refreshments um, just because um, barely people won't be still for very long. But registration starts at 830. So they'll, everyone that registered, Ooh, they'll, have, early. Yeah, they'll have packets uh, ready for them of, you know, maps of the capital schedule so on and so forth and so then we'll start at nine we'll welcome everyone here um and we'll just have some just good fellowship uh and then at 10 that's when the committee meetings start so they'll just go and enjoy the committee meetings and around lunchtime probably around like noon twelve fifteen. if i, I can't remember correct, correctly exact time everyone will gather back into the uh rotunda Depending on weather, uh, typically we like to do it outside of the front steps, and we have a, just a really, really big picture of Homeschool Day at the Capitol. Legislators are obviously invited, and then they'll come back in. So about 12:30 to about 1, 1:30 before the legislator convenes, uh, we've invited the senators and the representatives to come down and speak. Uh, homeschool uh, families that are in their district, and they, the legislators have been notified. Uh, the uh, um, uh, families have been notified, and then we'll deliver uh, legislators the uh, desserts that these homeschools have brought to them at that time, too. Okay, now, in the picture that you'll take tomorrow, mm-hmm. are you going to have a, a Waldo hat on, and you're going to be in the picture, and people <laughs> got to find where's Ken? <laughs> that would be a really good one, since it will be a bunch of, bunch of people, that's yeah, for sure. that would be a, a great thing. Uh, you know, the Family Council does so many different things, and this is one of them. There's another one that you all are working on uh, diligently here, and it's the right thing to do, and that is they're, they're trying to – it may not get it this year. However, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's, it's the right to, of a person to decide when they want to die or, or whatever, mm. and uh, physician-assisted suicide. Now – with that thought in mind, think about what's happening over in Scandinavia. I think it was Denmark 
I read a story about just a few weeks ago. And uh, they've only had physician-assisted suicide, I believe, four years now. Yeah. 25% of all the deaths that occur in Denmark are physician-assisted suicides Whoa. now. Yeah. 25%. Wow. In four years. This is actually an issue that I'm quite passionate about, uh, quite angry about that something like this would be filed here in the state of Arkansas. I'm a, also a history major, uh, and so I love history by trade. And so when, we, when you look at health and medicine and doctors throughout history... Do no harm. Do no harm. This is not what, um, what the profession has ever been about. What uh, Representative Dan Douglas is proposing is exactly what Jack Kevorkian got put in jail for. It's euthanasia. It's physician-assisted death. Not suicide, and uh, you know if if. By the if, way, Dan Douglas, what's with him? I mean, he he went against the uh, abortion trigger yes uh, bill, and now he's the one who wants to bring yes. you know death. And, and let's be honest, being pro life is protecting life from conception to natural death. That's correct. And uh, and his actions this these past couple weeks uh, is not protecting life at conception and is also not protecting life at natural natural death and so you're you're looking at a bill that's actually almost is worse in certain ways than the ones that have been passed in Hawaii and California and Oregon uh, which is just unthinkable how and, how how, they, how how is this one worse well there are certain uh, uh, certain states actually require some uh, mental evaluation mm-hmm. this one doesn't Require the mental evaluation. Uh, when you, this one refers you to a second opinion, doesn't make you have to have that second opinion. And then when you go pick up the prescription to put whoever you're trying to put to death, uh, it can just be if, if I'm saying I'm going to be put to death, I could have Paul go pick up the prescription for me as my designated picker upper. No, you don't have to do it, huh? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, so many things can go wrong uh, in, in that instance. But furthermore, like I said, it's not what our country has been built on, it's not what historically anywhere has been built on. Uh, doctors that tested on people like the Nazis and the Japanese uh, have been put down in shame in our history. And just uh, the idea that doctors are supposed to be healers. Instead, in, instead, what I what I say, what, what I've been telling people is like Dan Douglas is trying to make them death dealers mm-hmm. instead of healers. And uh, I don't want to grow old and wonder when I go to the doctor whether they're treating me the best that they can whether I'm now just going to be a bottom line that Ken Yang's now too expensive to be keep alive so I'm going to tell him oh, I don't know if there's anything else we can do for you I think it's about that time and uh, do we really want to go that route where we're wondering what uh, our doctors are thinking and furthermore this bill doesn't allow doctors hospitals hospices to opt out you have to you have to be a part of physician assisted suicide wow. yes that's crazy the doctor wow. can't even opt no. out so if someone comes has been a patient of yours and comes in and says you know i'm tired of living i i want you to help me to die mm-hmm. The physician has no say in that. Yeah, because they, they just got to go would, do it. This would be a state law, and you'd be required to so, so abide the by the state law. Does it actually say sh- the doctor shall? 
prescribe? Um, how, does, if, how does it make it mandatory? If I, if I remember correctly, um, I've, I've per, there's probably no shall, but there's no opt-out clause. And so when in if if we take precedence when it comes to how the state operates, mm-hmm. how uh, uh, state-run hospitals operate, it you know it's not it's usually not the not the latter. It's usually not oh you don't have to do it. Like the, these people are going to come to your hospital if you don't do it, then you know what's going to happen. You're, you're going to get fired, or you're, you're going to get sued. And you know no one likes getting sued. And so you have that that aspect of it that's a. Uh, uh, really bad and like i said it's just it really it's offensive to the sanctity of human life it's mm-hmm. absolutely it's just, just disgusting i might mean, just go just adjective after adjective and i, I just don't get why uh, anyone would want this and i you know i know people say well have you ever seen so and so suffering blah 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 but i'm sorry um none of us have the authority to play god None of us. And that should honestly end the conversation. Well, the way that they always argue from the other side is they'll take the absolute worst case that they can find. For instance, the movie that Richard Dreyfuss made several years back, you know, he had been, uh, I think, in a wreck and he he had no more mobility at all. Mm -hmm. He could hardly even speak. And, uh, you know, when you look at it just from an emotional point of view, you can kind of feel sorry for the guy, you yeah. know, and say he yeah. wants to just be done with it. But that's typically not 99% of the yeah. cases. Well, you have even someone, I've done some research on it, you know, Senator, uh, the late Senator Ted Kennedy, who died quickly, gruesomely of brain cancer. Even his wife have, has come out on this specific issue saying that she is against physician-assisted suicide. And that's someone as liberal as Kingdom Come who who is saying that like doctors are supposed to be there to provide for a dignified natural death best as they can do mm-hmm. and that's what we should uh, expect from our doctors and if and if we're worried about these people that are suffering why don't we make our palliative care system better why don't we make our assisted living system better our hospice is better not to say that they're not already good but why don't we focus on those types of things first before we just say let's start putting people to death because they're they're suffering and they want to go they want to die yeah Or, or maybe we should encourage people to have a better reason for living because you know if you don't really have much point in life you might have more incentive to say, you know what, I'm not really doing any good right now anyway, and it hurts me to live, so I'll just off myself or hire someone else to, to kill me. But why aren't we encouraging people to have something to live for? You know, uh, I think that's a, you know, another, another valid point, but uh, I think what makes this country great uh, uh, time and time again is that we value and cherish human life. That, that's what separates us from the rest of the world. That's what separates us when we... That's went, Western civilization. Western civilization. When we went to world wars, you know, uh, being a POW here is a lot different than being a POW someplace else. And that's because we value and cherish human life. Yeah, and, and it's, it's sad, but uh, the case is, and I would think that any piece of legislation would have to have some meeting with a, a, a psychologist to talk to mm-hmm. you yeah. uh, for somebody to offer to you uh, the druther, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you'd rather do this or druther do that. Yeah. Well, and what if, what if uh, uh, 
you know, Paul goes pick up my death pill prescription and he doesn't come back. Yeah, maybe he uses yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. or maybe, or maybe I just thought, you know, I, I like Ken Yang well enough. I don't want him to kill himself, so yeah. I go flush him down the toilet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or I change my mind, and Paul dislikes me that much. He says, you can't change your mind, sorry. Here, open you, your mouth. Yeah. yeah. And he feeds them to yeah. you no matter what. Yeah. So many issues, and, and I don't, puts them in you, know, your I, 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 you know, I'm not holding my breath, but I hope Representative Dan Douglas reconsiders, and this is a bill that's worthy to just take down. There doesn't, we don't even really need to be having this So discussion. when is it going to be in front of health, you know? Um, I think his health committee meets Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, he had said that he's going to try to get more data, more feedback. So, I mean, he could run it tomorrow if he wanted to, but we'll keep an eye out. You, you, I mean, you know as well as I do, Paul knows, you never know when they, yeah. they say they're not going to run it and they shoot, they come yeah. in and run it. Yeah, it, could, so, it could be filed. That's usually when they want to get something passed without anybody being there. Yeah. I don't expect that's what they'll do with this. Yeah. But we'll be at uh, public health every single time it meets to make sure that this does, thing doesn't Let even get out Let me know when it's going to be Definitely. the next time because I'd like to be there to just hear some of the um, folks that are going to be on that committee and see what they have to yep. say and what they're, what they're thinking at yes. that time. Appreciate you, Ken. Thanks for coming by. We'll have you back uh, from time to time. Come by and, st- and stop by and say hi tomorrow. Sounds good. I will. All right. We'll see Thank you later you. then. We'll let you get out of here. Thank you. we got a minute. Let's uh, talk a little bit before we, we get there about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I've been using Sonny's now for a, a few years. Uh, my SUV is, you know, fairly old now. It's almost 10 years old and a little over 300,000 miles. I've got a brand new, not brand new, I've got one of his uh, used, maintained, uh, total vehicles. Uh, transmission in my car now and a motor in my car now from that. Uh, it's running just perfectly, purrs like a kitten now, and it's a great way of, uh, of taking and extending the life of, of your car. You can do the same thing and get... You know, standard warranties get guarantees, one, two, three-year warranties on all parts just by calling 982-7451, 982-7451. Talk to R.D. or any of his staff at Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Time for the news. All right, back with you. We are at the uh, state capitol, third floor, house side. State Representative Robin Lundstrom is with us. I'm only going to keep her a short time because one is for self-preservation <laughs> because right. she's not feeling good right now, and uh, it's very evident. But this is a serious topic that she's brought up. She's she's put forth a resolution hoping to get it on the ballot out of all the resolutions that have come out from the House and the, and the Senate side. And hers deals with when you vote for judge, like the Supreme Court, court judges or, right. you know, any of just a, the head Supreme Court judge, things of that nature, that you know what political party they affiliate with. That's right. I think I that's want, good. I want complete transparency. It is frustrating when you see somebody on the ballot and you don't know where they stand. Yeah, can, and when judges in. come and ask you for their vote and you say, well, are you a Republican believe? or a Democrat? What do you believe? They look at you and go, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. And and they're stymied, too. It's not mm-hmm. just us, but they can't tell you. Everything is in code. Everything is all cloak and dagger. And you're like, wait a second. This is crazy. Up until the year 2000, we operated as a state. 
with judges being a Republican or Democrat. They were partisan. And then in 2000, the law changed and, and so, so-called um, above it all. Well, that's bull. It's above just, it all? Yeah. yeah. It don't work that and way. And you know what? That's not fair to them. It's not fair to the voter. We need transparency. And we need to know and we need to be able to ask, are you a Republican or Democrat? Well, the insiders end up knowing and then yes. the rest of us If don't. you're an insider... And you, can, you know you where to look. Out. If you know what website or you know how to look at Voter Vault or so whatever. You know, you know who to talk to. And you know who to talk to. With a wink and a nod, you right. can find out. Right. There, there's, there's people that have run for judge. Um, you know, if, if I happen to know them, I may already know what they believe because I've, I've known them for long enough. And so I, I don't have to ask them questions about specific <laughs> things because I, I knew what their beliefs were prior to them running for, for judge. Sure. Well, it would be so much easier. And it would be easier for them to fundraise. It would be so much more true to our American political system to just let them be who they are and run partisan. And to me, it would just save time and be transparent. Just let them answer questions for crying out loud. Well, and we did it up until the year 2000. We've managed to function quite well as a state um, (laughs) before then. So why not? Um, If we want transparency, let it start there. Sure. I'm with you. I'm okay I'm with all that. in on that. Yeah, so am I. Can, can I'm we, all in on transparency. Can we not go ahead and, and open up a little further and, and let judges tell us what they believe? Let's have some actual discourse with these people instead of them. We, we ask them, well, what are your thoughts about this, that, or the other? And they say, well, we can't answer that question. Why not? Well, where, where, where we can always ask them their opinion idea? on past cases. That's, that's law that's already been discussed in court. It's, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with asking and, them an opinion on a past case. And a lot of them will tell you, well, I, I can't make any decisions on that because it's already been decided for me, and so I'll have to rule according to the tradition of, of, the, of the, um, the, the previous judges, which is also kind of hogwash. I'd like to hear, hear a judge say that, you know what, yeah, that, was, that case was wrong, and if, I've, if I get an opportunity, I'm going to rule according to the Constitution. Well, and, and there's nothing wrong with having that discourse. Mm-hmm. I think we're mentally capable of having an adult conversation sometimes. Some, some, some uh, of us are. We can at least try. <laughs> we can at least try. But at least start with the basics. When I was on the campaign trail, one of the funniest conversations that I had was with a gentleman that said, well, I think you should run as a member of the human race. And I thought, okay, wait a second. I know I look rough. But I thought you could at least tell I was maybe female. (laughs) And And human, right? And sort of human. I know I look really rough. But I I said, okay, time out. I'm going to try something out on you. Let me ask you a question. When you're checking out at Harv's or Walmart and you look over at that candy bar section, how do you know which candy bar to get? And he's looking at me like, where is she going with this? And I said, it's based on the label, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I know you're sneaking a candy bar. So based on the label, you know which candy bar to get. And he goes, yeah. And I said, so I'm telling you my label. I'm a Republican. I'm conservative. I'm a businesswoman. I believe in the right to life, lower taxes, smaller government. So I'm giving you my label. It's not a bad thing. It's what I'm supposed to do as a candidate is lay that out for you. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing for me to label myself yeah. and give you that information. By it's the way, incumbent upon me to do that. Being human is a good start, too. <laughs> it's a good start. I have a heart. I'm a conservative, and I have a heart. And, and he just started laughing. He's like, okay, 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 okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. You got my vote. Oh. And well, Robert Steinbach has joined us. Robert is a legal professor at UALR at the Bowen School of Law. He joins right. me every Monday. And, and Robert, we're sitting here talking to Representative Robin Lundstrom. Yeah. She is pushing 
a uh, resolution. She wants to make sure that her resolution gets on uh, pick to be one of the three be on the ballot. I'd like to see one of them, uh, this one to be on the ballot, and that is go back that when you elect judges, you know whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Yeah, yeah, no, and I heard you guys talking about it when I came up, and of course, I'm all about transparency. I'm the uh, representative, I'm the author, co-author of the treatise on the Freedom of Information Act book. So needless to say, transparency is what I'm all about, and what's really remarkable about your um, uh, resolution or, and what underlies it, and uh, and then I'll pitch you, by the way, another bill on the air uh, on transparency, uh, because uh, I'm an unabashed advocate for transparency and openness, and I'm, I can't stand the cronyism that goes on in government, uh, state, local, and federal. So, first of all, uh, uh, the notion of a gag order on political candidates, uh, and in this case, judicial candidates, is obscene. The notion that uh, people cannot walk out and say, this is who I am, uh, is, uh, is an abomination. It is contrary to the First Amendment and contrary to the state's version of the First Amendment as well. So I actually think that this claim that uh, uh, judges can't disclose their political parties is unconstitutional both on the state level and on the federal level. And, and, and it's about time that we make some legislation consistent with our constitution. Institutions. And people say, well, what do you need it then? you got constitution. But nobody's following it. It's time to step up to the darn plate and follow the law as it was written. And this is, this is just obscene that we're telling people, oh, you're a conservative or you're a Republican? Don't say it. What do you mean don't say it? That is nonsense. So uh, I actually think, you know, here's the thing about your resolution. It's too modest. It's not enough. We need to get out ahead of these things. I'm being slightly facetious for the point of effect, but the notion nonetheless remains correct, which is if anybody opposes your uh, resolution, then their, their answer must be, I am for lying, I am for cronyism, and I am for corruption. So next time you meet an opponent, say, which one are you for? Or which combination? Lying, cronyism, or corruption? I've never wanted to kiss a law professor. I'm feeling the urge right now. She's <laughs> sick, so don't kiss well, her. <laughs> but he's right. Um, so call your representatives and urge them to support. SJR 1006. Thank you. SJR 1006 for okay. judicial truth. So, yeah. so we, I, got a, I got a message from a listener. He was also pointing out that we need to make mayor and city council positions partisan as well. One bite at a time. Yeah, Just yeah. give me one bite at a time. Of course, this yeah, could probably be eat done eat the elephant without actually having to go through a constitutional amendment, I'm assuming. I don't know. I yeah. would imagine it would have to be done properly. It would have to be a ballot initiative. I don't know. Yeah, I, haven't I don't know gotten that the, far. This one the, thing at a time. Just one thing at a time. Before we go any further, we'll let you go because I know you're not feeling good. And that, that being, um, how have your fellow legislators... No received this thus far? You know, I think I've only had, I haven't had that much time to get a whole lot of sponsors, but mm-hmm. every time I've asked someone, oh, let me. Uh, uh, oh, that's good. So it, it hasn't been that difficult to get sponsors, but I've turned them in and I've got other fish to fry, so it's it's not been hard to, people grasp it. All right. That's people super. I'm glad to hear that. Anything I can do to help 
yeah, spread the word among the listeners to I'm encourage people to support. You want me to have him talk about it every day? Oh, yes. Well, I'm going to talk about it. And this is, before we go to break, let me pitch to the representative that Senator Hammer and Representative Dan Sullivan have a great bill on the Freedom of Information Act to uh, cover these uh, foundations that uh, are basically shadow government entities. And they're collecting money in the name of government, for government, and doing government functions. And they claim they're not covered. By the way, they are covered by the Freedom of Information Act, but they claim they're not. And that bill is just like yours, to make the law where it was supposed to be from the beginning. So I just wanted to share with that share that with you before you go. What's it called? HB, SB? Uh, SB uh, 231, I believe. 231 and 232 are both great bills. Uh, and uh, 232 is, well, 232 is about con- keeping the few remaining conservatives in academia. And we'll talk later on the show about that. It may be a little early to pitch both of them to the representative. You know, I can only sell so many bags of beans at one time. <laughs> well, I'll try to sell a bag, uh, an extra couple of beans in there. There you go. Vote against Vault's bill. Which one? That's the one that is, they're trying to change the way you can get on uh, the ballot uh, initiated acts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't know that. It's well, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna you'll, you'll talk to you about in just right. a few moments. Right. They're trying to push this through post haste as fast as you can. I already got it through the Senate, oh so I want to. And when it's going that quick, I start looking real so close. Is, so the one coming to the House is actually going to be Pitch's bill. It's is it Pitch's three forty? Uh, is it three forty six? I don't know. I got them over here. It's, it's, it's a, holding it's on SP. to them. See, that's what worries people is that I actually sit up at night and I read these things. <laughs> House Bill uh, 1489, Senate Bill 346. 346. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I think 346 is, is on the House side now, probably going to, to committee tomorrow. Yeah, the next I mean, day, this, this could get voted on and get, be on the governor's desk in, in no time. The, the thing that what I take. Does it do? Well, it raises, here's, here's, here's it what it does. It Even though you would get the necessary fig, uh, signatures, mm. uh, the. Um, the board of uh, is it electors is election, going to be the ones that determine whether the title is the correct title. To be you could get all the signatures, and they can throw out the title, and you're out of luck. Why would you spend the money to go and get the signatures and everything, and let somebody then decide that the title's not good enough? Another screening device. Yes, it is. It is. I have to look at that. But I'll give it to you. I brought it. We'll let you go, Robin. Thank you so much, Robin Lumpson. It's always good to have her join the show. Voice of reason over in the house really is. All right. Let's take a break. 346 Dave Ellswick Show. Third floor house side. Back with more. I don't know. Here we go. Well, we're back. Are we back? We are. We're back. Gosh, I'm supposed to talk some more. Okay, well, I was ready to go home. Okay, well, you go home. I'll take over for a <laughs> take we, we, okay. we can, we can take right. this ship. Exactly. All right, don't forget we're on uh, Facebook Live today, and you can watch what we're doing here as well as uh, you can uh, listen in. Uh, Representative Mayberry is going to be here. Uh, I'm thinking sometime in the next 20 minutes, probably about 10 after, Something like to that. talk about her highway bill, okay. which I love. And yep. here's the reason What's I love it. It doesn't raise taxes. Mm. If you can do something and not raise taxes and get done exactly what the governor wants to get done, why wouldn't the governor get behind it? 
Hey, I'm all, I'm all for not raising taxes. I don't know the details yeah. of the bill, but I'm well, all you're going to hear it. about yeah, it. It sounds like a less bad version of the same thing, and so so why not? No, it's a less bad bad version saying. of a good thing. Well, that's a, that's a good thing is take care of the roads. Right, that's the thing. All right, a less bad why version. not do it in a way that you don't have to make people pay out the numbers? Sure, sure. I, I've got to um, give credit. To the governor's office uh, in the following sense. Don't be surprised that Dave almost jerked his neck out of the socket looking over at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, I think they have generally been doing a good do- job this session in, in focusing on decreasing our tax load. Now, I can't promise you, Paul, uh, for example, that I followed every detail of every bill. Uh, and I can't promise you that there isn't some aspect of, of, of what they're doing that uh, I would not or do not agree with. Um, so I don't want to, I'm not, I'm afraid I can't give that level of endorsement. But I will say this I have been generally pleased with the language and actions, because those two got to go hand in hand, as yep. you know, um, that I've seen from the governor's office uh, when it comes to the overall tax load that people... They had a little bit of hiccup, right? They had that one time. They've got an actual right. tax cut, and right. I'm, I'm right. good with that, but right. what, I, what we're seeing right now is a substantial tax increase. Right, so that's what I'm saying. So right. I don't want to say that, no, we, you we, know, we column A, column B. We don't, don't want to poo-poo the actual right. tax cut, because right. why would we fault tax right. cut? Right, right. Now we're not talking about tax cuts anymore. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a tax increase. And it's not a small one. It's right. a substantial one. This is one. the gas one that you're talking yeah, about? Yes, yeah. yes, here. And it's and so the, the tax cut was a $25 million tax cut the first mm-hmm. year, and I think it was 98 or something, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But this tax increase is $300 million mm-hmm. or something in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. if, I, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly. And then isn't it like, uh, correct me, and I apologize, cause, but you, my ignorance uh, may help both me and the audience understand it better. Part of it he wants to put through, and part of it he wants the people to vote on. I, I think right. so. And so they, he wants the people to, con- to vote to continue the half-cent tax that is already out there. I see. Then he wants the legislature to vote on a three-cent gas, six-cent wholesale diesel tax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then over the next ten years, I think he can go up uh, a tenth of a cent each, each year. year. And so Depending I, I, on the I, I may be mistaken about this, but I think the new plan isn't is precisely a, a three cents and a six cents. It's actually a percentage that comes out to three cents and yeah. six cents. So that way, if prices actually go up, or then it, it might be twelve or fourteen cents. Well, but I thought I thought it was capped, though. I could be wrong. Yeah. Like but, you know, here's am, here's why I like what Mayberry's trying to do. Let me just read yeah. this yeah, real quick for you. It's uh, House Bill fifteen forty one, and uh, it would fund roads without raising taxes. The bill competes with Governor Hutchinson's highway plan which would increase taxes. You know, that's the bottom line on each one of them. Uh, Mayberry's bill would require that sales and use tax revenue from the sales of used and new vehicles, trailers and semi-trailers, would be directed for road use. For the fund to be directed to road use, they would have to meet certain criteria. One condition is that the gross general revenue must be above $2.5 billion. Another is that items off the top would be deducted before the funds could be used for road use. Funding would be allocated for Arkansas highways on a monthly uh, basis. Now, Representative Mayberry is a Republican from Hensley, which is 
by the east side for folks here in central Arkansas. She'll join us next hour. We'll talk more about this. It's something I've said all the time, Robert. Why, why not take the taxes that they're taking out of things that go for ma- maintaining cars and trucks and whatever, and instead of turning it into general revenue and just dumping it, how about directing it directly yeah, well, to the highways? Answer is, the answer is because somebody else has got their uh, finger in the till. Is That's completely a uh, butchered metaphor, but nonetheless, uh, soaking up those revenues already, and so someone else is laying claim to it is the answer. Right, we, we've got pigs sucking on the sow, and these people in that's government, pigs. That's a better pigs, one and a good southern the, one, too. Right, these, these pigs sucking on the sow, they don't want to stop sucking, and so these people in government are probably going well, to scream. Some people, you know, bottom line is, Paul, and we've talked about this a million times, and Robert, we've talked about this a million times, so, and i got the lieutenant governor coming on tomorrow, and I'm going to talk to him about it. Good. Because he talks about cutting government all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are some programs that we have that have been around for generations that don't need to be around anymore. I mean, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Say, let's talk about the federal level. Mm-hmm. The mohair tax. Or, uh, you know, you take the tax off of mohair or the, the sugar tax. All of those, they're not necessary anymore. I'll tell you something else not necessary, and it's going to irritate one industry in Arkansas because they can't compete well enough, and that's dairy. Mm-hmm. Why are we sending money to Arkansas dairy farmers if they cannot compete it's time for them, them to market. leave the market. Well, you Let know, Dan Sullivan had a fantastic bill that would have simply opened up the marketplace for these facilities for, I don't know exactly what it is. There's a technical term, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'll just say disabled children. That's not exactly right, but it's close enough for government work for the purposes of this discussion. And it was shot down. He's going to come back with a revised version of that bill because it's a solid bill. It simply says... Hey, Right now, the law is that if you want to open up one of these disability facilities and you've got all the people who are qualified and they got all the, the uh, credentials that they're supposed to have, then you go to some government bureau hack and you say, I want to open up a facility. You know what they say? Well, we've got to look around and see if there are any others there because we don't want them to have competition. 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 You know, hey, when I open up a Burger King next to a McDonald's, do I got to check with McDonald's first? Do I need to go to the government first? It's called competition for a reason. Well, you know, you might put that other one in a hard time. Yeah, yeah, good. that's good. That's okay. That's called efficiency. Because, because, because the other business might, might, might serve yeah. lousy hamburgers. Exactly. I'm trying to create the best outcome here, and you're trying to be a, a socialist, light, communist wannabe by regulating the means of production. Cut it out. All right. Keep that thought in mind. We still got two hours left today. I need to take a We're on. <laughs> Do you take high blood pressure yet? I, I, you know, I, I just, I drink salt. I drink salt water in the morning. <laughs> you may not want to it's do it not anymore. That's a good idea. All right, a break. Third floor, house side, Dave Ellswick show. Dave Ellswick on 101 FM, the uh, answer. Here we go. Mm-hmm. All right, 4 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We are still here at the Capitol. Most of the politicians are not. Uh, well, they're probably having meetings in offices and things of that nature, but they've already finished uh, their major work for the day. Let's just we, we put it that we got a lot of people coming. Maybe, uh, Representative Mayberry should be here sometime within the next 
10, 15 minutes, and we can talk to her about her highway bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibility, State Representative Sullivan may stop by. Senator Hammer could stop by. Um, Paul Harrell will join with us next hour for a half hour with uh, with Paul and, and uh, you know, he is a good guy. He's, he's a smart guy. I, I spoke with him I the got other day him, on the show. He's a very smart you guy. Get, get him really involved in radio. Yeah. A lot of people, things have come out this segment uh, session, and people go, you, you've you been involved, Dave. And, you know, no Ma- kidding. Because Mary, no kidding. Mary Bentley said, you're the one who t- told me to run, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I did. And there's several other people I've done that with. Well, you know what they say about Dave. He's an overnight success. It took 30 years to happen. Right? You know? 50. 50. 50 years go. to happen, exactly. yeah. Since, exactly. But it, it's, I'll be honest, it's why where I go, red follows. Well, because you... Look, you're an influencer. There are people in society uh, that are influencers, and they say that about those people that are selling handbags on the Instagram now, right? But you're an actual influencer, and people are still listening to radio, and of course now they listen to your show in different formats as yeah. well. Uh, and 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 you have uh, good things to say, conservative values to spread. You have interesting guests on your show. I'm not trying to be a commercial here. I'm just saying that, that that's why you have these outcomes. It's not by accident. You didn't trip into success, Dave. It happened because you think about issues, you talk about issues. And b- by the way, uh, and Paul will uh, attest to this fact, you will you will take a, uh, an issue, you will analyze it, and if you had an opinion that after analysis you decided uh, needs a revision, you will say, you know, what? I'm changing my mind. Sure, I've, I've yeah. seen him do it right yeah. on the air. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. As I have a politician yeah. who's running the issue in front of me. <laughs> you said what? Wait, wait, what? Uh, I can't get behind that. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I'll you, give you a good example. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I agree mm-hmm. that we have got to do something with this initiated act stuff mm-hmm. and make it right. more difficult. It was an embarrassment to me last in the last election that... Th- the group of people in this state decided they could tell businesses how much they had to pay people to work for them. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. really yeah. ticked me off. And the other one that ticked me off is the one on casinos. Oh, gosh. Hey, we're wait, gonna, wait, the free giveaway monopolies? Yeah. Is that the gonna, one? I just want to make sure I understand. Bring, the, the we're going to bring casinos. We're going to bring casinos to yeah. Arkansas, right, but we'll tell you... Only these four places, and two of them have to be Oakland and South Park. Yeah, and we put what their the name hell? in the Constitution. No, yeah, and then we put the, those, those people's name in the Constitution. Look, I don't care if a person wants to spend their money how they want Knock to spend it. Or go do it, all right? And I know there's going to be there's people who will argue with me about, well, right. more poor people yeah, gamble than other people. And, and I'm all Yeah, there are issues, okay? But freedom is the overriding issue. Sure, it is. That's the funny thing about the, freedom. Right, it is that, that poor people can make bad decisions, dumb people can make bad decisions, rich, rich people, people can make, make bad, decisions. bad decisions. And the fact is that liberty allows people to be stupid and hurt themselves. Well, is that and that, that is okay. And, and, and it's not only that, while you're absolutely correct in each of, uh, of your statements, who decides what's a bad decision? I, if I, I decide that I'm going to buy uh, a lottery ticket, right. and like See, I, buy, I buy Powerball yeah, typically, sure, okay, yeah. so let's say I buy Powerball on uh, Wednesday, right. and right now 
Wednesday yeah, night. I'm just looking here. I'm just looking here. Right now. Right, right now. Well, 196.1 million. No, 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 no. This is if I take it as a, just a upfront oh, payment, all right? Okay. What's so I'm going to get half of that. Right. So I'm going to get about $93 million. Is that all? You know, right. how stupid am I if, it, if I win? Right, exactly. Exactly. I can tell you how stupid it'd be. I'll own several radio stations in, our, in uh, Little Rock, and I'm going to start a private school in Cabot. There you go. There That's you go. how stupid no, I'll be. And this is the thing: it's that people have freedom is to freedom to make all decisions, including bad ones. Right? Because if it's just a freedom to make good decisions, and I put good in quotes because obviously Ooh, this is radio, it's good. who's deciding that? Right. Some pure hack. Right. Some pure hack. Right. And here's the thing. I used to think, oh, well, yeah, you know, have people help you make good decisions. And then I started to look around and see who, who was telling me which are the good decisions. Run. Run fast and far when somebody tells you, I'm going to tell you these are the good decisions to make mm-hmm. because they're a bunch of pure hacks. They don't know what they're doing. No, uh, but but they sure got a, they got a paycheck for it. Yeah, they get a paycheck for it. They're a self-appointed expert. They're going to walk up to you and say, by the way, I'm an expert. You know who's the last person you should generally consider to be an expert? The person who, the first thing you hear out of their mouth is, I'm an expert. Right. right? Well, and, 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 and by the way, uh, sorry, Paul, well, but, but, I, but I've seen this time and time again, even recently, where people are telling other people, you need to do this this way. But are you? Do you do this thing? Do you? Uh, are you engaged? No, I'm not engaged in that. But I'm telling you, you. So you're not involved in this, and you're telling me how to do it. That's that's what you call. That's what happens when government tells you how to do stuff. We've exactly. got we've got 135 legislators down here. Right. They are telling us how to build houses. Right. How to put together toilets, perhaps? Well, well that's more on the federal level. At least these government uh, electors are elected by the people. What I can't stand is when these when uh, uh, these agencies grow like moss, right? Mm-hmm. They grow grow like fungus, and they get stacked deeper and deeper and deeper with bureau hacks. And the bureau hacks who are unelected, unaccountable, start telling you how to live your life. I'll just give you, by the way, one example. You know, when I started teaching at the University of Arkansas, my school had three people with dean in the title. They've got eight, and apparently they're looking to hire a ninth, and we don't have any more faculty. Hmm. Now tell me that's not the expansion of government, just like like a fungus. The bureaucracy. And so and so what happens is, so, so we've got 135 legislators that they know a little bit about a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, some of them know a lot about one little thing here and there, and that's okay, that's good, but... The thing is, though, they they will empower bureaucrats yeah. to take our rights away. That's it, and they and need so, to be more cautious about it. Right, that. and so there's there's 135 of them. Maybe 10 of them could tell you how to wire an outlet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 10 of them could tell you how to plumb a house. Maybe why, 10 or 15 uh, of them. And Dave, could, why does Paul always come back to his his, his um, uh, bill, you know his rental units? I mean, I think he's making a pitch for his rental well, unit. Well, I, mean, no, I don't well, blame him. And, so and, so, and, and so at the end of the day, we've got a, a few of them that know a little bit about something. But most of them do not know enough to actually regulate the industries that they're regulating, and so they hire these so-called experts, most of whom, right, bureau hacks. Yeah, most of the and most of the legislators are not qualified to identify these people as experts. Well, it's not their job, experts. in fact, right? They're not. The, you know, they they appoint some senior person to some state agency, the universities, to the to the state highway department. And, and so we end you, up you with, name it. So we end up with crony capitalism. Boards. Yeah, well, and let me, let, let, you know what, it's a great segue. By the way, if it weren't, I'd find a way. But it t- <laughs> turns out it's a great segue. I want to read you an article, or parts of an article, from April of last year. 
So we're going on almost a year-old article, and then we're going to talk about Kim Hammers and uh, Dan Sullivan's fantastic FOIA bill that is either up this week or next week. And this is a real simple proposition, but let's start with this article. ASU directed a lucrative revenue stream to the nonprofit Red Wolves Foundation without asking for anything in return, and it pays staff, government staff, to raise money for the private foundation record show. Okay? The article goes on. Do I need to say more? I'm going to repeat that. ASU directed a lucrative revenue stream to the nonprofit, meaning private, Red Wolves Foundation without asking anything in return, and it pays government staff to raise money for the private foundation records show. And what happens next, Dave? And what does this article talk about, Paul? So the why aren't they being arrested for, well, for, for, uh, for embezzlement or something? That Paul is always jumping over the hur- two hurdles at a time. One <laughs> yeah. at a time, Paul. Right. So here's my first question. <laughs> why is it that these foundations are not subject to the Freedom of Information Act? That's a good question. Okay? Well, the first answer is they are. <laughs> they are. But the problem is they're not turning over the records. That's the problem. They are subject to the Freedom of Information Act, but they're not turning over the records. Okay, so yeah. to, to make them right. turn over the exactly. records, what do you got to do? Yeah, Go up in it. front of the Supreme Court or right, something? Right, right. So the way to do it now is you got to litigate it. It's expensive. That's six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've heard from folks at the, at the, um, uh, um, at the newspapers that we can't afford to litigate it. It's too expensive. We can't afford it. Now right. Look who's, who's and, and sure wandering enough, around. One of the co-sponsors of the bill. <laughs> we're going to suck them in. We got we got the hook out now. One of the co-sponsors <laughs> of SB two three one, a bill that says, "Hey, these quote private foundations that are collecting money on behalf of state." agencies that are being operated and or directed by state employees, you guys are subject to the Freedom of Information Act, and we don't have to spend six figures by private citizens like me or by the the newspaper, which of course is private citizens, but it's an entity. We're going to clarify the existing law as it should be understood already. And so we got Kim Hammer and Dan Sullivan saying, hey, Transparency, folks. You're raising money for state agencies with state agency uh, employees, often on state agency property. Step up to the plate. Let's see your record. Right. And, you know, there, there was some resistance. Some folks said, well, you know, it's good. It may um, – donors may not want to give to these foundations. It may make because, people angry. Right. Yeah, well, of course. But we may not <laughs> – donors may not want to give to these foundations because you might disclose their names. And you know what, what Senator Hammer said? It's a good point. So he wrote a line in the bill. It says – no donor information disclosed. Boom. Done. Boom. Done. What else you got? What else you got? But, but, but. Right? So but, let, let's, yeah. let's talk so to Representative say, Sullivan. Well, I think you got them all fired up today, guys. Oh, <laughs> it's, called, it's called Monday. Listen, I'm excited about all these uh, freedom of information and free speech bills are exactly the direction we need to go. And I just appreciate the opportunity to work with uh, you, Robert, and, and uh, Senator Hammer. Uh, Dave, you guys just appreciate what you do to bring that to light. Into we the just public. want people to know what's going on. Yeah, Amen. Exactly. That's what it's Amen. all about. Well, you know, think about it. In all seriousness, uh, Representative Sullivan, Dan here, has been on the forefront in, uh, early on in this 
in this time of this legislature. He's uh, one of the original drafters of the Forum Act, free speech on campus. Right. Uh, he's uh, on this bill with Kim Hammer for transparency regarding the so-called private foundations. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure. Now, uh, Dan, you might have to correct me. I think he's also on uh, SB 232, which is basically, right, the bill to, to protect conservatives on campus, basically, where the universities have trying to undo co- contracts. Contracts. Conservatives are for contract. Conservatives believe in the right to contract. That's what you're talking about with minimum wage, the yep. right to contract. And the universities don't like people like me. Let's, let's get down to it. They don't like people like me mouthing off saying two things. One, conservative values. And two, questioning how the expenditures within the state, including the university, but elsewhere. All right, let me yes, just sir. jump in. Go ahead. Uh, House Bill 1489 from Representative Vault passed today. Okay, what's that? Well, this is, again, going back and changing rules dealing with initiated oh, acts initiated and things like that. Okay. Yes, so you know, I, and I'm, I'm going to just say again, something needs to be done, but let us not run wholeheartedly mm-hmm. into something that parts of this we don't want to happen. There's parts of this bill that is very dangerous, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. about going out and getting the signatures, and then somebody can say, well, I don't like the title of that. Well, it's a bureau hack. And boom, out That's of here. That's the problem. We've got to be cautious about the bureau hacks. Yeah, and, and very true. I, for one, am tired of sitting back and letting the status quo continue. I agree. You know, we had that same issue with the Convention of States, Article 5, however you want to say that. You know, People were saying, we can't do anything, we can't do anything. It's, be cautious, it's a bad time. Folks, 10 years ago, five years ago, we would have never thought we had socialists running for our president of the United States. So the track that we were on, we've got to intersect that and do things differently by being bold and by being aggressive. So let's not be fearful of being bold. Let's not be fearful while we stay within the guardrails, as you described. Yeah. I just think we went outside the guardrails. <laughs> I, you know, when you start taking and you go from something that was a misdemeanor and suddenly you say it's a Class D felony, I'm like, wait, wait a second here. Let's talk about this. And it's like somebody has slicked up the rails on this well, one because it's going way too quickly. We've got to be cautious when we, we're, we're over-empowering bureaucrats. That was Representative Sullivan's bill. He was trying to take away power from bureaucrats. Yeah. Oh. What are those? Tell, Dan, tell us about those entities that are regulated and like, sure. you can't have competition as it stands Yeah, now. we had, I ran uh, House Bill 1102, which was a kind of a free market bill for businesses with uh, children and adults with developmental delays. They have so many restrictions on there now that tell you who can be in the business, who can't be in the business, you can't come into it. It's just, uh, uh, it's done by lobbyists. Uh, and, and What the- a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even worse than that, to be clear, right? It, it literally says that some government bureau hack is going to decide that if there is one of these uh, facilities in a geographic location and you want to move in there to compete, there's a, wait a second, we don't like competition. Yeah, well, and, and it gets to the point, it's really for the kids and the patients, because what drives quality care is a little competition. It's a lot of competition. A lot of competition, true. (laughs) And when you have um, minimum licensing standards, eventually, if you're the only competitor, eventually you're going to lower your quality of care towards that lower level, minimum level. It's a race to the bottom. Yeah, the only thing that, that 
interchanges that is when you have a competitive market and someone comes in and says, look, I want to bring in uh, a new teaching method for children with a dyslexia. I want to bring in new services for children with different conditions. And under this bill, you couldn't do that. And, you know, we have kids that have sensory deprivation. And if you wanted to bring mood lighting in or music while you're playing or balls to sit on, and that was your condition to move in to do that, you could not come into that county. And I really hope uh, constituents will stand up to that. The opponents of that bill said they were afraid that if competition came in, one of the providers would go out of business. Yeah, yeah. We would never do that with a doctor well, well, but more or a grocery it, store. I'm jumping out of my seat. Yeah, I'm jumping out of my seat here because competition is what improves quality, and we all know that. And reduces and, price, right? And reduces price as well. And so if you if you don't want competition, you know that the left keeps oh, you know those conservatives they like throwing around that socialist or communist label. Uh, if the communist shoe fits, <laughs> slap that sandal on. Yeah, because wear it. that's what it is. You know, I, I think if we if we took these things to the city council and we said, Mayor, would you like to have a new business come in that added twenty jobs and, and they're gonna build a new building and they're going to do all, would you like to do that? The mayor and the city council would go, please, please, please. Yet we have legislators voting against that. That's right. And it's all because they have such a strong lobby. Uh, in that for the uh, existing entities existing existing entities entities, and this is always the way right the uh, i don't mean to pick on them but the home depots of the world are the powerful ones right so they're the ones that lobby for regulation that they can comply with that nobody else can meet and let's be clear about this regulation dan uh the the current state of affairs the regulation that you are looking to undo uh causes a reduction in the quality of patient care plain and simple Yes, and again, the the opposition, the people that are opposed to that, say that I'm afraid my local small business will close. But there's no history of that. When you look at competition, competition in any proves, market, yeah. you know, you look well, at yeah, a, if you have a small a bad business model, it might be. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the you, lousy hamburger stand might close. Yeah, okay. well, in simple business, if you got an auto repair mechanic there, and you have a in a small town and another auto mechanic comes in, you would never hear the mayor or the city council going, no, we've got one and we don't need more because we're afraid. They come in, competition improves, quality improves, access to care, all those things approve. Uh, But we just need our legislators to stand up to the lobby, uh, say we're going to do what's right for the patient and take care of what's best for the patients in that model. we got to take a break so you get to take a breath. We'll be back with more. Third floor, house side, Dave Ellswick show, right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, 4 o'clock tomorrow, Senator uh, Pitch going to be with us, uh, Republican. And Where is he from, Dave? Geographically. I, I don't have that right okay, in front of me. I'd have to look it up. I wish there. I did. <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew. I don't. Well, no worries. Uh, no worries. Bottom line is that... Uh, I just want to get him on because I want to understand this Senate Bill 346. This whole rush suddenly, as fast as they can, to try to get the initiated act changed without the people knowing what these laws were about. That always, that sets off alarm bells for me. I'm all about 
making some changes. They need to be made. However, I don't want to make changes that are bad changes. And there's some bad changes in this in these uh, two pieces of legislation, which are mirror pieces of legislation, one for the Senate, one for the House. All right, when we come back from the break, uh, I think uh, State Representative Julie Mayberry will join us to talk about our highway bill. All right, so we are ready to go here. Um, we're going to talk about highway bill. Good. That Julie Mayberry would like to see uh, put into effect. Here's what I like about it: it doesn't raise taxes. And absolutely not. Does not raise taxes. Now, makes did, use of existing funding. Did you walk into the governor's office and sit down and talk to him about this? No. Okay, you haven't talked about it. No, but tomorrow, um, yes, I am considered a freshman legislator. There is a, mm-hmm. a meeting of freshman legislators to talk about highway funding with the governor, and I okay. will be able to address it at that point. So, I mean, is he open to consider something else besides what he's concocted? I mean, I'm all... I can't speak for him. You're going to have to... Yeah, I understand, but here's, here's my, my question that's out that just sits out there like a you know an, an ugly date that you're waiting to go on and and that is what does it matter which way you go if you got a better way of doing it let you know Reagan was really good on saying it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as you get the job done and getting the job done here is you you're going to get the credit because you're not going to spend tax money for well you're going to spend tax money but you're not going to raise. Money. Yeah, you're it's not going to raise money that's more. There, Maybe you can stop right? wasting it in one place and waste it in a different place, or spend it in a different place. That's yeah. doubt. And that's all that all that's all that we're trying to do is use existing money that we have, um, and gear it towards. And why it, it's always I've never understood, and I've been doing this since about two thousand and two three. All right, is that when you would talk to people about the you know the the extra sales tax on buying a used car or buying a car or going out and uh, every year you got to go get your car appraised and you pay taxes why can't that money be used for the roads instead of whatever it's, and i never find out what it's being used for well it just goes into general revenue and it goes towards so it can go for anything right. all right it just gets right are they saying they can't the, the they can't give things. that money up to make the roads good in arkansas what well, i mean what do you hear from I, them i i, I don't know <laughs> the, but don't that's get, why i i put the bill out there to talk see, about this again this is a very well vetted bill um it was not my idea um it basically over the course of 10 years you would give 10 percent more of the already existing taxes on the sale of new and used cars over to a highway fund. So back in 2013, the fiscal impact statement said the first year would be $22 million, and by the year 10, it's $345 million. Mm -hmm. And then that does get divided. Um, The state, the highway department gets 70%, and then 15%, and 15% for the counties and the the cities, which um, there might be some issues there, too, that need to be addressed. But Here's what um, the issue I got with counties and cities. They're not transparent about where they spend the damn money at. Well, Part of my French. And, and we do need to make sure that there is more transparency on all this. If you're, you know, giving this money over, we need to make sure that it's being used wisely. Um, but but that's that's the idea behind the bill, and I think it needs to be looked at again. It has been talked about, talked about, talked about, and every single time it can't make it out of a committee. Um, so 
I, I am waiting on a fiscal impact statement, and that is all up to DFNA to put that together and may not get that fiscal impact statement until after this other bill all the way gets through that the governor has already put out there. So it may not be of any, any use. I don't know. Yeah, it just would seem to me that if you don't have to raise taxes and you can get whatever it is that you need to get done, then you wouldn't raise taxes. That just makes sense to me. You know what? Makes me think I'm a Republican when I hear that. <laughs> Bingo! You know? I mean, that is a major platform of, of our party. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. And, 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 and I, I'm just stunned that... This is passing through so easily and so quickly. I, I don't understand it. I really sort of feel like I'm in a twilight zone. Well, we, we, I'm waking up and going, what world am I in? We're expected to celebrate some of these income tax cuts that are more or less piddly. I'm sorry. They're, they're something, but, but they're not big tax cuts. And then what is this, a $300 million tax increase? Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen one that. No, it's a three hundred. It's three hundred million dollars. If you don't include counties and cities, it's like four hundred million if you count them in, isn't it? Is it something like that? Well, it depends on which what what part of everything we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, if somebody says that the the the, the tax for the, that they want to do for the highways, it's three hundred and something million dollars, but that's if you don't include. That what the counties get counties and what and the cities, cities get. Yes. Now, pardon me if I'm wrong, but that money's coming out of the same pot. So it really isn't just $300 million, It's like $400 million. You know, there we go. $441 million. Hey, I've brought right. my, my friend Robin Lundstrom come, come in here and join me a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and she's sitting there saying, there I don't want to come back on that show. They were hitting me with all kinds of bills a moment ago. We had her on just a, f- a few moments ago. It, it, are a lot of people that are feeling this way, the same way you are, Julie, you know, hesitant to, to be seen as taken up out after the governor, which I don't think you're doing. I, I, I'm not. And I believe that we are here to discuss issues, not to be told this is what you're supposed to think. Mm-hmm. And that's all that I'm asking is that we have an opportunity in a revenue and tax committee to present different ideas. And just like um, when we when we refer an amendment out, uh, usually the people who have those amendment ideas get to share that amendment, and then the next person shares their idea, then the next one shares their idea, and then you wait a little bit, and then the group as a whole gets to choose their favorites, you know, and and there's there's discussion. And so that's what I think would be a great um, option, Mm -hmm. and if we are allowed to present different ideas... And then, so, and then so take right, a vote on which one is the, the favorite. So right now, yeah. the fiscal impact study requirement is kind of holding yours up. So you can't really even offer it as an alternative to the current Correct. big big tax If they increase. take a vote on this tomorrow, I don't have anything to show them definitely. I can Before. just go back to what the 2013 fiscal impact was. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And what was the f- fiscal impact uh, five years ago? So it was the first year initially $22 million, and then by year 10, it was $345 million. Okay. Wow. So, but this is, this is an option for basically, basically you would cut funding in other areas of government, which is a good thing. A well, lot of areas of it, government need It cut. would be based on a 3% growth over time. So, okay. you know, there are some safeguards there, and if there isn't that growth, then we may not be able to transfer that increased amount of money each year as as quickly right okay 
Well, I mean, I'd like to know where the money's going. I mean, it, it, you know, is it going for cancer research or, you know, I buy a new car and X amount of dollars goes for cancer research or, or whatever. I'd rather know that it's going for roads, to be honest with you. Yeah, what, what is it going for? Because right, right now, uh, Dave and I will talk about the fact is we, we drive down the roads and we see these fancy government buildings, these fancy bridges. They've got aesthetically silly stuff on them. I'm sorry. I don't need bridges to be pretty. I want them to just not fall. Unitarian. That's all they got to be. I want them to be Be a bridge. Carry cars and trucks. Don't fall down. I don't need them to be pretty. If you want them pretty, spend your own money on it. I mean, look, ROC is even saying the bridge that she wants to build to England for the the speed trains that she wants to put on it so we can get rid of airplanes is... And that they have to be pretty, Cortez girl. They just got to work. Oh, they just got to work. I just want, I just want a bridge. A bridge is supposed to be able you can drive a car over it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to have the state of Arkansas on it. Be pretty design. I get it. Robin sits on that revenue and tax committee and might have a little bit more mm-hmm. thoughts on on what's going on there. So that's why I she wanted feels her to come so in. terrible. I, I feel sorry about bringing <laughs> her into this because she does. She feels sorry. She's going to wait. Let her get it well and then come back and talk to this about me. Clint's also helping out. Okay. Um, Uh Uh-oh. Here she comes. Robert. She's on that committee. we got a whole lot of people. We're just going to see. I I think it's important that we look at everything. I want to see all the other suggestions that are out there. Even if we just cap spending right where we are, let let the money follow the cars. I mean, there's there's some suggestions out there. Mm-hmm. Man, how many years have I said that? Yeah. That, how, how else this would is about you do it? How else should we do it? What's going on right now? Are they just kind of following the whims of the local? No, I think they're starting mm-hmm. to. They're starting to follow I, the cars. I, I, I think they are. But in I, in I, the I, past, I, you've had some problems, though. With in it. the past, we've had some problems. Yeah, we 135 have. years of Democrats running things. That's um, what we had the problem with. When, when B.B. came into office, when Mike Huckabee left, there was a billion dollars in the bank. A billion I, mean, I don't mm-hmm. even know how big that is, and that's a lot of money. Bigger so than my checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the plan that's out there, I like parts of it. I like the part where there's a casino tax. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some things out there that I think everybody can agree on. I, but tax increases make everybody a little nervous. So, if, but if you're going to say no, you've got to offer some solutions, mm-hmm. and you've got to offer some suggestions, and I think there are people out there that are trying to do that. Yeah, so, we've got time to offer a few suggestions. We'll throw them out there and see if anybody wants to do that or not. Who knows? Yeah. Let's let's offer some alternatives, such as not raising taxes. Let's offer some actual ways to cut government in other areas. Because when I drive by and see these government buildings that are just like Taj Mahal's, I mean, I, it leads me to believe that you know what? you people have too much money. That, that's what it leads me to believe <laughs> that, that there's well, too much money in circulation already because you're wasting it on stupid stuff. I, I'm not going to go in and start pointing fingers. What I'm, what I think the suggestion right now is, what are the solutions? And Julie has come up with with some. Clint's come up with some that doesn't involve slash and burn or anything like that or anything radical. It's just more of a calm, cool suggestion of here are some some alternatives that aren't radical gunslinging or anything like that. It's just here are some additional thoughts. So, and, here, and some, here's what and, happens. And we well, like what's out there, but here's some additional things that aren't tax increases. When I, when I get the governor or somebody on and I bring up something that might cut revenue to something, they go, now we don't want to do like Kansas. I'm just saying, you don't have to do it like Kansas. You can do it smartly, but uh, 
that it's supposed to be that when they say that it stops all talk. Mm-hmm. Well, one other thing with with this plan, the you know gradually moving um, the money. F- from taxes on the new and used vehicles yeah. over a period of time. This is over a period of 10 years. And I know that there are some people that get this big hiccup because, well, what if the economy crashes? You know what? You have time to address that. We have a legislative session every other year. You could also call a special session. You, Because this is done over time, you can address that. If there's suddenly some awful thing that happens well we've done that in the past right and and so but if we had started this in 2013 when this was originally brought up we would not be talking about this today if it had passed then we would would have money coming into let's see what what did this say this is 20 uh fiscal year 2018 2019 115 million dollars would have been already going towards our highways annually annually if we had passed it back then and, and, and you know what, what if the economy does collapse we might have to ride horses again that's okay no it's end, not going to happen well I'm, I'm just saying though that we can adapt we don't have to we don't have to to stop doing good things simply because the economy might collapse 10 years down the road let's do good things now no. i'm of the opinion we should stand by the platform of the republican party amen Amen. Which is, That's you don't raise given. taxes unless you absolutely, God honestly, have to do it. We, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you do have to raise taxes. Sometimes you come in at power after the Democrats have been in power for over 100 years, and you got to get a little bit extra money to pay for the bills that they've run off. But then you go in and you cut those things down, and we've not cut any of those things down. I'll be enough for me. Be, I got to be quiet. I got to take a break anyway. Let's do that. Steinbach sitting over there. I think his blood pressure blew up in the last hour. We'll come back. We'll when talk I get more. Two representatives talking. I'm not interrupting. That's true. And they're saying good things too. I'm liking what I'm hearing. We'll take a break. Come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back. Dave Ellswick Show. I love when we hear. Here's something I said this year would happen. And we'll have to see if it if it plays out. It'll happen more so two years from now. And that is the governor, whether he likes it or not, is a lame duck. He's in his final four years. And uh, that means some people are not as worried about him taking retribution out on them if they don't follow his program. Because that's his right to do that. I just want them to come together here in this area and decide to be Republicans. You know, I'm not asking them to cut spending and fund highways. I'm saying just like Julie Mayberry said. Don't raise it. you got enough money to make all of this happen without raising taxes. Why make that your first thing you turn to? Look at everything else, and that's what I liked about what Robin Lundstrom said. We're going to come. They're going to come to her committee, and she's going to want to talk about all of that. Well, that's smart to me. That's smart. All right. So enough today about that. Uh, we'll get them. We'll have people back on to talk about it in, in the future. I've got uh, J.R. Davis coming on Thursday, and I'm going to ask him that question. If somebody comes up with an idea. And it's going to give you all the money you need. Why would you go to the people and ask them to raise taxes? I just I don't get it. I just don't get that. 
be a Republican and don't raise the taxes. Dave, we talked time and time again on your show, and I'm going to make a general statement here that that needs to be repeated, I think. And that is Republicans have to be for the notion of small government, of responsible government, of transparent government. Mm -hmm. uh, And they need to recognize that government can't solve every problem. And so when people go, what, we have this, and what about that, and we have this, yes, and we'll try to fix some of that. Well, some of it we shouldn't be fixing because it's not the government's responsibility. Indeed. Amen, brother. Amen. And so that's, it's very easy when you're inside the government bubble to start saying, oh, well, we'll fix it. We'll take care of it. You know, that's the uh, uh, AOC. What's her real name? Cortez. Cortez. That's the Cortez attitude, which is uh, you've got a problem. Government's here to fix it. And mystery money's going to pay for it. And what's the special? What what did Jefferson say? A government big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything away. And and that's that's what you see with people who are bad parents. They try to fix everything for their children. Sometimes you don't need to fix something. Sometimes you need to let them hurt. That's right. And the the fact is that people need to be allowed to hurt themselves sometimes. And, and don't pick them up. Well, and it's even, I, while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I think it's even simpler than that. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We're not living in a panacea. We're not living in heaven. We're living on earth where life has good and bad, challenges and benefits. And people are constantly looking for the government every time there's a challenge to say, I want this fixed. And by the way, I don't blame them. You know why? Because for for years upon years, government has been been handing out checks to people when they complain. And so, yeah. and so we've got a, we've got a population of wimps that don't know how to fix, don't know how to handle their problems. And so we've got a lot of highly incompetent people. They've spent years and years and years in their life going to government schools, and they don't know how to function in life. Well, it's not necessarily just because they've gone no, to government no, no, schools. No, it's not just that. It's I know they, people who are in their 80s and still believe that big government is the answer. A good idea. You know, after World War uh, II, that's when the New Deal came mm-hmm. along and the giveaway began at that, yep. at that time. Yep. And guess what? The world was a different place. We were. We were the only big gov- or government, not even big government at the time, but the only government that uh, could function and, and it country was the, it was could the function. New Deal that put the bureaucrats in charge. Hmm. Excuse me, put the bureaucrats in charge. It, literally, they established all of these agencies and they transferred authority from the elected officials. And that's what I'm cautioning right now. This was our last segment that they transferred authority from the legislature, the elected representative, to a bunch of bureaucrats. And then with that, they came up with this notion that if a bureaucrat makes a decision, he's entitled to deference when he goes to court. So they rule the roost. They're in charge of the executive. They, they've taken power from the legislature, and they thumb their no- noses at the judiciary. And so th- some of these bureaucratic agencies are like royalty, like, well, like what you would have seen over in England or maybe even France, where you had the lords that made their own laws. Indeed. You could arrest people, perhaps. Well, and, it's even simpler. And, and so, so how have we come up with this? We've Those of us... Who, who have been raised to not know how to deal with our own problems. We've got government solutions for almost everything. We don't even fix our own issues. Have you ever... Uh, sometime back, I saw a little project book for boys. I don't know if it was probably 10, 12-year-old boys it was designed for. It had all these little projects that they could build. 
they were stuff that adults wouldn't do today. They might go to jail for it. I don't know. But but all of these things, they were somewhat complicated little projects for boys that was supposedly normal. Whereas today, uh, we've got kids that are so functionally um, inept in life. All right. We are out of time for this hour. I'll let Paul escape, and uh, we'll have uh, Robert and I back. Paul Harrell will join us as well uh, for a half hour, and we're going to get in talking about Senate Bill 232 coming up. You won't want to miss that discussion as well. Don't forget about PI Roofing Home Solutions. They have uh, acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. If you're a former customer of Tommy's, just know you can rest assured. Great work from the team at PI Roofing. And uh, with that recent purchase, uh, those who have been using Tommy's uh, Gutter Cleaning Service pick up the team at PI Roofing, who offers the great comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise that they do. Learn more, just head over to piroofing.com. I'll be back after the news. Hey, it's the final hour. Typically, Conduit News is with us, but they're under the weather. All right. Uh, Brenda was nice enough to send me a uh, text saying that she just did not feel uh, good at all, and Joe was not available either. So, i got to tell you what, we got a buddy of mine that's going to join us. Paul Harrell uh, is uh, part of the Dave Ellswick Show here for a half hour. Paul, how you doing, brother? I am doing good, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Hey, listen, we just got done. I had Robin Lundstrom on, and I had uh, Julie New, uh, Mayberry on, and there was another guy who just refused to talk uh, who was sitting here because he had never been around me and never been on the show but said after hearing uh, what I was talking about, he'd come on anytime I wanted it to, and I just don't know who he is, but I'll get him on. But uh, bottom line, Mayberry has some really good ideas. I, I mean, I know what the governor is trying to do, but... I guess the thing that is bothering me is if you can do everything you want to do with the highways without raising taxes, why would you raise taxes? That's my, you know, that's my question. And I'll be asking J.R. Davis that on Thursday. I want to have a discussion about that because it sounds like Mayberry's plan will work. Yeah. You know, um, and that's a that's a great question. You know, why are we moving forward with uh, tax increases you know, cutting taxes here, raising them there. You know, I've been saying for a little while, the question that I want answered is, at the end of the day, when the legislative session is over, will the people of Arkansas be paying more to the government or less or the same? Uh, to me, that is the real uh, litmus test for the session. I don't know why uh, we're pursuing creative ideas, you know, trying to take more money from the people, but I will say this. From what I've seen at this, uh, from this bill, House Bill 1541, by State mm-hmm. Representative Julie Mayberry, I mean, she should be commended. Uh, her and the other uh, conservatives uh, that are co-sponsoring this, uh, you know, Representative Lundstrom, you mentioned, Josh Miller, uh, Representative Payton, Penzo Gates, um, for putting out another solution that is creative as well, but does not raise our taxes. And I think that's what the people of Arkansas have been voting on when they've been voting for Republicans for the last 10 years now. They've been voting for Republicans that'll not raise their taxes. And so I think it's a fantastic idea to put out there. 
Well, here's the key. What is it that the Republican Party has always said? They're, you know, they're not going to say to you, we'll never raise taxes again. What they're saying, or they should be saying to us, is that we won't raise taxes unless it is the last option. And guess what? We haven't talked about a lot of the other options yet. Let's right. talk about all the options first before we start saying, well, what we got to do is keep another half cent, that half cent tax going. We got to raise this money. We got to do three cents on uh, gasoline, six cents on, on diesel, et cetera, et cetera. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, Dave. There needs to be a conversation uh, had that I don't think has been had. No. By, by anybody, you know, down there, um, because what we're really talking about here is, you know, wh- where are the proposed cuts? Have there been any proposed cuts to spending so we could take that money and use it on highways? A- a- at least have the conversation, you know, throw something out there. If, has there been anything from leadership? We could cut this program. We could cut that program and at least have the debate. Maybe tell us why you can't cut it. Um but they're not, they're not even having that discussion right now uh, when it comes to this. Again, you know, I, I think it's great that we had the income tax cut bill. I'm yeah. glad that the governor signed that. I'm also yeah. really glad that it was a clean bill, something very easy to support. Likewise, this uh, at least the first half of the highway tax plan that cruised through the Senate last week and is going to probably cruise through the Senate this week that has the new tax on gas at the wholesale level and diesel at the wholesale level, you know, I, I kind of think that uh, the, 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 certainly the people, I, I don't think people have been voting for Republicans, you know, for that, for that purpose. Um, but I do, I would like to see a conversation about cutting spending, but I don't know, I don't know if we're going to ever get that. Hey, guess who else is here? Robert Steinbach who? is here. Yeah, oh, he's sitting right hello. here. Robert Steinbach is here. Paul, you know, in addition to the brilliance uh, that you've uh, um, reflected the other day by having me on your show, uh, <laughs> I can tell that that you are a true fiscal conservative. And I keep bringing up the point, we discussed it in the last segment or so, that government simply can't do everything. And so th- when when... We're, we can't be arguing, and I don't think we are, but, but the, the, the left keeps saying, we've got a solution, we, we'll find a problem for it. And I think what conservatives need to say, and have done, done somewhat, I'm not trying to uh, present this as an entirely novel argument, but I think we need to hear more conservatives saying, government can only do so much. So if you're going to come to me and tell me there's a problem, I'm going to say, yes, but relative to what? And I think we need to talk more about that. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know about the highway bill versus the other bill, but, but the point is that we are overtaxed. Of, of that, there is no doubt. And those on the left that want to point to that large family that they call Sweden uh, or some other uh, communal living environment to justify uh, excessive taxation, they can go live in Sweden. This is, the, this is a land of freedom, and this is also a land of 350 million people, not, n- not something the size of Rhode Island. So this notion that there are problems in the world and there are problems in the country, and they, it seems to me that the left believes uh, quite clearly they can all be resolved. Indeed, they believe that 
problems of the world should be imported to our country through open immigration. Uh, and so what say you to this kind of false dichotomy that's constantly being presented by the left that, oh, well, if we just do this, we can pay for that. And I, if the answer that I would posit is we can't do it all. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The problem uh, that we have right now, I mean, that we've had for the last hundred years is mission creep. I mean, when, when mm-hmm. is the last time, you know, the government has stepped in to do something and they've accomplished their task and gone away? You know, right. uh, we That's established right. these, these agencies or whatever, and, you know, they're always there. They're, they're well, always they get bigger and there, bigger, right? You know, right, and they get bigger and bigger, and then they grow in scope. I will tell you this, though. Most people... To, to bring it back to the roads, most people agree they want government to to build roads. They're taking taxes from us right now. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette had a great piece where we're already, I think, paying almost a billion dollars a year, you know, to fund these projects. So we're already giving the government money to do these things. They're just mismanaging it. And I don't see how you can come to any other conclusion. I know the highway department's argument. Well, would you want to try to pay your bills if you were living on a 1997 salary? I've heard that. But, but here's the thing. Revenue to the state is going up because we're increasing spending. We, we've continued to increase spending every year. So, so the money is there. The question is prioritizing what I think a vast majority of our Kansans agree on, which is the government should take you know, our money and should build roads with it. It helps with commerce. It helps people with businesses and everything else. Um, we're not doing that, though. Instead, we have, we're prioritizing it to things that I would argue a majority of our Kansans wouldn't agree with or put it at least on the same level, the same priority as roads. And, I mean, to me, that's the, that's the way to look at the situation practically. But, again, I don't know of anybody who's actually put stuff out there. I mean, you know, if, if you surely there's 135 legislators do you think that, and maybe this is too simple, but do you think that maybe each legislator could find a million dollars worth of savings? E- each one, in some program yeah, somewhere. Promise, or, or, yeah, but or the problem is, uh, you're right, Paul, but the problem is that uh, legislator A wants a cut from legislator, legislator B's uh, pet project, and B from C and D from uh, and so forth, and it comes back around. Z wants a cut from A, and that's why government constantly grows because it's much easier for A, B, C through Z to get together and say, "If you fund mine, I'll fund yours." And now it's one of the problems with the kind of, uh, I, I, and I forget if it was Jeffersonian or, or Madisonian uh, concept of factionalism, where, where they thought that the factions would fight it out to produce the re- rese- best result. And what they did instead was the factions got together and co-opted government at the expense of the citizenry, and they spend and tax and spend the citizens' money. And as I, I told uh, Dave on the last 
um, um, session of the show, whatever you call it. Yeah, the segment. segment. Thank you. Uh, words get to be a challenge from time to time for me. Um, when I said in the last segment, is just this is just by way of example, but it's to the broader point. First, let me state that government entities, all they do is want to grow, and the administrations want to grow. And so when I started, just by way of example, when I started teaching here in Arkansas in 2005, we had three people with the title of dean on our little faculty. Now we've got seven or eight with one that they're trying to pitch to, to make it one more. So it'll be eight or nine. And the size of the faculty hasn't grown. But this is not a complaint about what's going on at my school. This is a reflection of the fact yes. that every time you turn around, government, and by government I mean bureaucrats, administrators, they grow what they do, not workers. The workers don't grow. Look at, and again, I use the model generally that I'm most familiar with. Look at academia across the country. The biggest single increase in expenditure is at the administration level, and those are the most expensive people that we have. They get thirty, fifty, seventy thousand dollar bonuses. I'm not talking about in Arkansas, although maybe they they do as well. Uh, you know, the the deans of any law school across this country make a minimum of a quarter of a million dollars, and so and that that does include Arkansas, by the way. Um, give you know a quarter million, two forty, two sixty, whatever, right? Um, that's real money, and. So they keep propagating more and more administrators that, that who, by the way, you put a person in, in an administrative position, I don't care what agency it is, you take that person out of a line position. So, you take, for example, at a university, you put someone in an administrative position, you take them out of teaching. They teach less. Yeah. Right? You take a you take a highway department person who's working the line. You take him out of the line, make him an administrator. He does less highway work. And so we we constantly grow government and shrink services. That's the problem here. Wow! Yeah, you are you are <laughs> yeah, exactly so, right, Robert. You're well, exactly and then right. uh, 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 no, listen. If, if I'm go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, please. Well, no, I, I would just say I would I would add to that again. You know, the, that conversation is a shift in, in mentality. Uh, you know, to even have yeah, yep. that conversation. So, yep. so, and and that I mean, it would be huge to even if the conversation was. Uh, okay, how how much is uh, government going to shrink? Or if the conversation was government's not going to grow or shrink, it's just going to stay the same size. Because theoretically, if the economy grows from that standpoint, you know your government has gotten smaller. But mm -hmm. the, but we sit down, you know, across the table, and it's a given. Well, government's going to grow. We're going to decide how much it's going to grow. Yeah. And back to the highways, I I, don't ha I have no idea how much money we would have to spend on roads if we passed a law or there was uh, you know, some edict that said we want every state agency to cut 1% of their spending from last year to this year. I don't know how much money that would be, but I, I have a feeling it would be uh, substantial. And um, the, the reason I don't know is because the legislators, uh, from what I can tell, uh, not all of them. We got some good ones down there. The ones that are on this bill, Julie Mayberry is one of them. Um, that, that we're not even having the conversation of what, nope. how much money would that be? You know, how much would one percent yep. a cut across the board be? Yeah, I, I'll never forget. I looked at Charlie Collins a couple of years ago, and we were talking, and I looked at him. I said, Charlie, we can cut government and he says well how much would you like like to cut and i said 10 percent 
across the board, and you would have thought I put a bullet in both of his kneecaps. You, <laughs> the look of pain on his face was was terrible. But the bottom line, I I would lay odds, and maybe this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to get with some people, and we're going to have to take the budget, and we're going to have to take 10% away from it, figure it out, and show the people you could take it away without... You know, I bet you that you go back six years, you'd have 10% less government. Well, we were doing all right six years ago. Mm-hmm. We've, added, we've added maybe 10% additional spending. I mean, I, when I got to here to uh, Arkansas, the, uh, the government spending here had just passed $1 billion. Now it's $5.6 billion. What are they? What are we getting now that we didn't have back almost twenty years ago? I came when Huckabee was governor. I mean, bottom line is it's not that big. the The, the results of what government does has not gotten exponentially doing me a lot of good. That that's my argument. It grows, but it doesn't. It, it's, well, but it, David gets back to the same point that I was making earlier. That is, government expenditure grows, and and much of that expenditure, and I just use it as a model, yeah. much like exists in academia across this country, is on administrators. That's not service. Administrators are layers of bureau hacks. We have more than enough bureau hacks. Okay, we got a break. Stay with us, Paul. We'll be back. We'll finish this discussion up here in just a moment on Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so we've got about five minutes left here. Uh, Paul Harrell is uh, joining me today. You hear him every morning here on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. He's on from 6 o'clock a.m. until 8 a.m., and you'll hear him talk about a lot of the same things I'm talking about while I'm here at the Capitol uh, Robert uh, Steinbach is here, and I got to do something real quick, Paul. I got to say, Robert Steinbach is a professor of law over at UALR's Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily of the, those of UAR or uh, the Bowen School of Law. So, with that CYA done, we can continue yep. on our discussion. All right. So, with well, that, in this, day, in, uh, in this day and age, that's real important. <laughs> it is. Put that disclaimer out there. Well, that you know, that builds on uh, the bill that Dave has sitting in front of him. Uh, conservatives are supposed to be about the right to contract, right? That's why conservatives, when people say, well, we need minimum wage and we need uh, this and we need that, and conservatives say, look, I'm not necessarily opposed to all of these regulatory approaches, but I'm resistant at least because I recognize that people are entitled to the freedom of contract. That is probably the most basic core conservative value, meaning you want to do something, you do it. It's about freedom. Contract is about freedom. And last year or so, the university uh, changed their rules regarding tenure for new people. And, you know, I think the changes they made, well, I know the changes they made weaken tenure. I think it's a bad idea. Some conservatives don't understand. They say, well, it's a good way to get rid of bad professors. No, it's a good way to get rid of conservative professors. It has nothing to do with bad professors. Crony uh, leftists keep crony leftists in place. But then they said, 
Then they said, wait for it, Paul. They said, oh, and this applies to existing contracts. We're changing your existing contracts. It's like if you bought a car from Chevy and you, they had to order it and you ordered a green Chevy and you show up and they've got a, a, a red Chevy and you say, but I ordered a green. They said, yeah, but we're giving you a car. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's still your contract. And the person says, no. And so, again, this is another example of where the government is run amok and they've decided that they can change the laws under which they operate and the only way you can defend yourself is by litigating it. So Kim Hammer has a bill to fix that. We're going to come back and, and talk uh, more about that. I want to finish up here on highways. And with that said, uh, do you think that any, you know, Julie Mayberry and uh, Robin Lundstrom and some of the other people that are out there and saying, let's look at everything, are, do you believe they're getting any traction, Paul? Well, <clears throat> um from what I'm hearing, I mean, I, I've been hearing about this idea for a couple of weeks now. Hey, we're going to have a competing bill to the governors uh, on highway funding. Um, I, I think it will get, um, it'll certainly get a good debate in the taxation committee. Can it get out of the taxation committee? I'm not so sure. Um, I, again, commend these legislators for putting something out there that doesn't levy a tax increase, a new tax on the people. Um if I'm honest about it, uh, I'm pretty pessimistic about it going anywhere just because, uh, you know, the governor is now in his second term. And if you look at past performance, it, he is very good and efficient at uh, getting what he, what he wants. Um, and so I don't know if I've really ever seen maybe only one time uh, have I ever seen, you know, the, the governor not not get what he wants on a on a piece of legislation. So. Okay, well, my, here's what I'll, I'll always say. The easy thing to do is tax. Uh, I forget who said it, but he said the people who refuse to govern tax. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. I, if there's a better way of doing it than taxing, we should be looking at it and thoroughly vetting it. Paul, we're out of time. I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate you guys. I'll say one thing about government. Uh, I like those bike trails, right? You were saying it hasn't gotten any better, but we've got bike trails now, guys. So mm-hmm. well, there you go. That's worth a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, we right need there. to get. We need to get. Uh, <laughs> we need to give up the bike trails and the walking paths until we can fix our roads. You know what? It used to be a bike trail. Used to be called dirt. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> we'll let you go, Paul. We'll be back, uh, Robert and I, after the news. I got to tell you what, this show today, about uh, 3 o'clock, took off. Yeah. Uh, we had so many people stop by, and there's so many things that we've been talking about that it doesn't seem possible to me that we're in the last 25 minutes, and Robert's here, and we're sitting here uh, going to talk about Senate Bill 232. Now, 232 is a mirror or sister bill with 231. No, it's, a, it's a sister bill with a form, with the Dave Ellswick free speech. On oh, okay. Bill. All right. So right. I'll let you pick up. And, yeah. and why don't you explain this first? Because yeah. I don't think I could explain it as well as Absolutely. you could. Absolutely. my pleasure. Look, uh, first we've got to talk about some initial premises. Conservatives are about freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the core freedom, perhaps, or a core freedom, I don't want to overstate it, is freedom to contract, meaning it's not people like, well, freedom of contract to, to sign a big piece of paper. No, the freedom to, to make an agreement with somebody else and then follow up on that agreement and then be held to that agreement because those agreements 
are the only thing that allow business to develop. You can't have a business if you can't have a contract. You can't order supplies, you can't have payroll, you can't have employees, because all of those things function on the basic notion of contract. When the university hires professors, they tell them, after seven or so years, if you jump through all these hoops, you have a tenure contract. That means you move, essentially, from an employee at will not to a permanent employee like some sort of conservatives who aren't paying attention would like to say. Not to an employee that gets away with not, never working again. Not to an employee who therefore is stuck. No. It means you have a contract that says they can only fire you for cause. For a good reason. And they list two things. They list the types of reasons they can fire you and the types of procedures that you have like if you were to go to court. Same thing. And so I have a 10-year contract because I've been here 15 years. Mm -hmm. My colleague, Josh Silverstein, a liberal, has a 10-year contract. He's been here Oh, by the way, he did a great job he last week. Because he's terrific. He's terrific. And uh, so we're not against liberals, but he's a liberal who respects conservatives. And so we have 10-year contracts. And last year, the university system decided we're going to change how we offer 10-year contracts. And we're going to weaken them. We're going to tell the new employees, if you get a tenure contract, it doesn't have as many rights as the old people have. Okay. I don't think it's a good idea because you attract lesser talent by doing that, but that's their prerogative within reason unless the legislature says otherwise. Right. So then they said, oh, by the way, uh, it applies to you guys with an existing contract. We're changing your contract. Well, you can't change an existing contract. One side can, Could you imagine... Making a contract, as I said in the last segment, to buy a new car, and you said, I'm going to buy a caddy, and you show up, and they give you a Chevy. And they said, well, yeah, you, we, we just changed a contract on you. Well, you can't do that. Oh, yes, we can. That's what the university said. That is unconservative. That is a leftist notion. That is a leftist notion that government can do anything to you, and you have to take it. And by the way, I'd like to use a more expressive metaphor, but, yes. but A, we're on the radio, and B, we're in the Capitol. But I think you take my point, Dave. What was that movie? Deliverance, yeah. right? Yeah. The government is basically telling you you're a character in Deliverance. Yep. Okay? Because you got to take it. We're taking your existing contract. And let me tell you how this came about. There was a, a conservative woman who was fired several years ago under the old contract. But the university thought it was too difficult to fire her, even though they fired her. <laughs> they said to me, amongst others, boy, that, you know, there are a bunch of rules there that uh, we wouldn't, uh, we don't think apply. And they were told, yes, they do. And they had to, infor had to comply with the rules. And they still fired her. So okay. now they come forward, fast forward, and they say, oh, we're going we're gonna to weaken the existing 10-year contract. Why, Dave? This is the key. Wait for it. Why? Because they want to get rid of complainers and conservatives. And those are overlapping groups. As far as they're concerned. Well, absolutely. Complainers and conservatives. How many times have I talked about big government, including academia, spending too much money on needless expenses? Including the last segment, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? So, so that's a complainer. And guess who complains about spending too much money? Conservatives. Yeah. Not leftists. Leftists think money grows on trees. But so sometimes, they, sometimes that's hard for us to argue yeah. because our, our uh, 
legislature and governor don't believe it. Sometimes. Sometimes. And then, so this bill, SB 232, says if you have an existing contract, an existing contract in higher education, you're, you get to keep that contract as is. So you might say, Dave, uh, Dave, you might say, Rob, that's the law right now. I know. But it'll take at least $100,000 to litigate that point. And as it, uh, virtually every bill we've talked about today, the, the one regarding the FOIA, the one with Lundstrom, um, all of these ideas are to enforce existing law. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that the bureau hacks are invading like a fungus. And they are whittling away against our interpretation of the law. And they're saying, we know how it ex- is expensive it is for you to litigate it. And guess what, how we litigate it? We use your money to litigate That's it. That's right. We use your money yeah. to, to weaken your rights, yep. to diminish your rights. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we're going to use exactly our right. government-paid attorneys to fight you every step of the way. Every step of the way. So this bill says what the law already is, which is an existing contract, this time in higher education, that protects those people that dissent, that is conservatives, uh, those contracts remain the same. And so be, so here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear people say, well, we want to get rid of the hacks in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, education. Tenure protects the hacks. Tenure doesn't protect the hacks, Dave. You know what protects the hacks? What cronyism protects the hacks, and leftists protect leftists. So with tenure, without tenure, the leftists protect the leftists. Tenure, as it turns out, protects conservatives because they're in the minority. But this isn't about tenure. They've changed the rules going forward regarding tenure. This is about existing contracts. This is simply about the right. And so they'll come in and tell you, well, we've got procedures in place already. Yeah, is that right? Is that right? Because look around. They are threatening conservatives every single day. That's why there's only about 3% on any given campus. Do you know that as leftist as academics, as professors are, the the research shows shows that administrators are even more leftist. Even more. Remember, Dave, when when there was a dean who wanted to give um, uh, counseling, not counseling, something else even more, right? You know, the, to bring in these uh, therapists. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, you're talking about right. Uh, right. Trump getting elected. Yeah. Wanted to bring in therapists when Trump got elected. Wanted Did to bring, bring in dogs. Yeah. Did they bring in therapists when Obama got elected? No. <laughs> no, they did not. But they want to bring in therapists when Trump got elected. That's how leftists, uh, the administrators are. And they grow and they grow. And when conservatives say, you're spending too much money on growing uh, administration, the, as I mentioned in the last segment, they want to add another administrator yeah. in my school. But that's just an example. Look around at every campus and every department. They want to grow administrators. It's that simple. And so this bill is very narrow. It has nothing to do with tenure. It has nothing to do with getting rid of bad or good professors. Just uh, saying that if yeah. you have you know, a signed the contract, Sign the contract that they can't change the contract in the middle of the contract. That's it. And if a conservative votes against this 
bill, he or she is not a conservative. It's time mm-hmm. to step up to the plate. And I'm so tired of the conservatives being weak. Step up to the plate, conservatives. This is a bill about protecting contracts, the number one conservative ideal, and ensuring that con- what few conservatives remain in academia are not shuttled out. Step up and do the right thing, conservatives, because I will name you by name on Dave's show and call you out if you don't do the right thing. All right. We're going to take a break. We got a final break, and then we got our final segment when we return. And see, that goes the same way as I was talking about highways and about raising taxes. Why raise taxes if there's a way of not raising taxes? The conservative way is not to raise taxes. If there's a way of doing it without raising taxes, without taking more people's money, then let's do it that way. We get to the same place, but we do it principled. A break and then more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Was in charge. Well, Dave, you know, we're talking about SB 232, and I just got to hammer home this point uh, that if conservatives don't stand for contract rights, you know, it may sound dry and boring. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. Right. Uh, It's not, you know, when are we going to land on the moon or the Green New Deal? But that's the thing. You know what conservatives are? Grown up liberals. Right. Conservatives are people who learn sort of what the world really is about. And the world operates based on principles. And what are those principles? Principles of free speech, principles of freedom, principles of free contract. But once you're in a contract, that's the deal. Yeah. And if you can't trust the government's work, what can you trust? That's my question to you, right? And, you know, the government already, you know, it was the government that, that, uh, that yeah. litigated in the Supreme Court and, and kept insisting that, oh, you can't sue us. You can't sue us. The government is always looking to have more power over you. They're always looking to tell you that you work for them, not the other way around. And so they issue written, signed, sealed, and delivered. That's a bit of a, uh, uh, an analogy, but yeah, the notion is right. Great song. Right. Um, um, contracts to their professors. And then now they say, well, you know what? We've got some people who are complaining about spending too much. We've got conservatives who, who um, are pushing back on the liberal indoctr- indoctrination, the leftist indoctrination going on in academia across this country. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to tell you your contract's not a contract. And if you don't like it, go fight City Hall. Go fight City Hall. That's what they're telling you. Yeah. And so Kim Hammer and... Um, I think Dan Sullivan's on the bill as well. SB 232 is about saying, hey, we believe in contracts and we believe in protecting uh, what is the minority in academia, conservatives. You know, the, the left is always talking about protecting minorities. It's time to protect the minorities that are in, are in academia. And the minorities in academia are conservatives. Your children are lucky if they bump into a conservative by accident in their four years of under, undergraduate education or their three or plus years of graduate school, depending what school they go to. It could be less as well, depending what graduate school they go to. But if they go to law school, it's three years, for example. Uh, and so they are lucky to bump into a conservative. 
And yeah. this bill is about protecting the contract rights of conservatives. Well, is it a bill written, Rob, for conservatives? No. It's but everybody's the, it's right. It's everybody's right. But guess who's under assault? Guess who's under attack? Conservatives yeah. in academia. That's, uh, that's really, really true. There's no doubt about that. And if, you're, if you are a legislator and you don't understand that, then, then you're not doing your job. Conservatives are under attack in academia today, and this bill is a modest uh, protection for those conservatives that already have tenure. For those who don't, guess what? They're out of luck. Their, their tenure rights are going to be weakened. But this bill is a modest bill that at least, you know, Josh Silverstein. He'd been all over this last year. All over this. And he will come on this show and he will tell you that conservatives are under attack. And I say, Josh, Josh, you're a liberal at the law school. Why are you concerned about conservatives? And he said two reasons. One is, it's like that old poem, and I'm going to abuse it, but it's something along the lines that first they came for the communists, yeah. and I didn't say anything. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't say anything. Then they came for the, for the, uh, the lawyers. The homosexuals, etc., etc., etc. And I didn't say anything. And then they came for me. Yeah, and there was nobody to save me. Nobody to save me. So that's the first reason that Josh uh, Silverstein uh, would say. And the second reason, he goes, you cannot have a debate amongst leftists. You need someone to debate. And there are so few conservatives on campus already. And I know they're under attack, says Josh Silverstein. Mm -hmm. He knows they're under attack. If they're under attack and there's nobody to debate, then it is an indoctrination center. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's an indoctrination center. Well, we've been saying that for a long time. That's right. So if you don't support SB 232 and you're a state legislator, a state senator, a state uh, uh, elected representative, obviously senators are elected as well, yeah. then you are not for conservatives and you're not for conservative values. It's time to step up to the plate. I am so tired of meek conservatives, too worried about the, you know, not looking uh, politically correct. Political correctness is out the window. You've got to say no to political correctness. It's that simple. And I'm tired of this. And so, yes, we have some good conservatives stepping up to the plate. Kim Hammer, Dan Sullivan. There are many others. And, and, I, and, and I, I want to see each and every one of them when it comes to SB 232. Because that's it. It's enough is enough. Yeah. I, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And this, this goes beyond just you know talking about contract law. This goes with everything of course it does if you can't protect a conservative's contract in academia you can't protect conservative ideals when it comes to guns when it comes to life when it comes to liberty when it comes to freedom you can do nothing because the most basic right is a contract right it's not a sexy right but it's the most basic right if you can't protect that you're not a conservative we're not a conservative legislature but we are 75 percent republican legislature and as I said on your show last week, Dave, I want to see more. I'm seeing good progress. Don't get me wrong, but I want to see more. I want to see them stepping up to the plate. It looks like it's going to get really interesting uh, towards the end of the session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they're holding back some of the more contra- what people will see as more controversial yeah. stuff. Although I think it's more principled That's stuff. That's right. That is Bring ready it up. to go. You know? Bring it up. And we can start arguing That's it. principle at Bring that it point. Bring it up. Get, take it to a vote. Take it right to a vote. That's it. I mean, I'm not saying have no debate, but I'm saying do it. Do yeah. it. 
because I'm tired of the weakness. And conservatives, you will be drummed out as quickly. You, you know, when I moved to this state, it's now the state that I've lived in longest uh, in my adult life, by the way. When I moved to this state, it was a Democratic uh, legislature, as you know. It was it, a strong. Strong. And, and, and the governor, um, I think when I moved here, was, it, was a Democrat as well, in between Republicans. And so, uh, and of course, the attorney general was a Democrat. They were all Democrats. Now we're all Republicans. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you're a bunch of weak Republicans, two things are going to happen. The Republicans are not going to be pleased with you. Nope. Dave Ellswick's not going to be pleased with you. No. I'm not going to be pleased with them. And we will walk away. And always think, always remember this. I, I try to make this That's the first thing. people talk about, hey, uh, well, we're going to do this, all right? right? Responding to the Democrats. And they say they're going to throw all this money at something. Right. And then we step forward and we say, well, we can't do that much money, but we'll do this much money. Right. Let me tell you what. Republicans won't show up at the polls That's to right. vote. That's right. We're, Democrats, we're done. Democrats we're done. are going to show up and vote for Democrats That's because right. why vote for half a loaf when you get That's the right. full loaf right. from the other people? That's right. That's just the way it That's is. It. You can't we win will offering be done a half with you loaf. If you are doing half measures, it is that simple. And don't get and, – and here's the beauty. You're going to have a bunch of leftist administrators – you need to understand they're leftists. If they're telling you the oh, bill is gonna, bad, that's almost, that is almost enough evidence that it is ideal. When you have them crawling all over the Capitol, you know you're doing the right thing. That's it. When you don't see the leftists showing up, then you know you're doing something wrong. When the leftists come to you and start telling you this is not a good idea, you should say, how can I vote twice for it? <laughs> That's what you need to say. <laughs> oh, well, we want to get rid of, of, of bad professors. Really? Or do you want to get rid of conservative professors? By the way, how many bad professors do you have? Right now. Yeah. Tell me. Well, I How many bad professors do you have? And if you can't answer that question, don't talk to me. Here's what's going on. What what Roberts is saying. If they can drum out the conservatives. That's it. That's all you have is That's bad it. professors. That's it. And they're not looking to fire the leftists. No. And I won't say that there's not some good of course conservative there are. leftists. leftists there are. Josh, Josh, Josh is a good Absolutely uh, there point. are. But they they are in a decided minority. That's it. Well, I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say that most of the leftist professors are good professors, but they're not looking to get rid of the bad professors because where, where the there's only a handful of, of of conservatives. Do you think really those are the bad professors? Really, yeah. you know who the bad professors are the ones that use state money to bring Angela Davis, the convicted murderer, onto campus. Mm-hmm. State money, yeah. state money. Are they firing those people? State. Hey, 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 hey.